What is up, y'all? What's up? Welcome to the Shiznit. And this week, we're kind of doing a flip-flop, reverse, sort of. We have like a three-way reverse, I guess. I don't know. Of me being interviewed. This week, uh, we're going to interview Larry. And it'll be really interesting because Steve and I grew up together because we're brothers. But I feel like there's a lot of interesting things that we can learn about Larry. So hopefully you guys learn something cool. Uh, I definitely have some questions, and I feel like while this may follow the standard kind of interview format, I feel like I'm going to go off on a lot of tangents because me and Steve and Larry will just have interesting things, a lot of talking points. So I'm excited to get this going. Dope. And if I could just point out, it's like when with Mills last week and mine, whenever that happens, uh, we were there for each other's childhoods and shit and background information. So Larry's going to have to actually like paint a better picture for us just because like we didn't meet him well, well, well you were born larry was like 21 <laughs> that's true i mean i mean, we, I mean i've only known larry for what three years now? yeah probably I, three I, years i i've known mill for 25 so it's like there's a little bit of a difference fair well i mean the two like i think we always talk about i mean between the three of us privately and on the podcast we talk about really funny nonsense we talk about serious stuff but i think uh we don't always talk about each other so it's going to be really fun to to do this one so this is going to be sick i'm psyched this is basically like wikipedia fact or fiction except for we don't have wikipedia pages yet because we're not famous yet yeah we will our guest our guest this this week on eve saint laurent social club (laughs) is uh is Podcaster, songwriter, guitarist, designer, cook, chef, printer, like essentially the guy does it all. Uh, Fuck. Fuck. That's, I do a couple of things like, okay, but I don't do anything sick. But you do a lot of cool shit. Well, thank you. I'm okay at a couple things, but not really good at just one thing. I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of why we have our podcast is we're all kind of in the same boat in that way. That's true. And just to, before we get into any super formal questions, I would say that obviously besides our bands playing together, we probably became friends because of overlapping interests. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, when you get to meet other people playing bands, and I'm going to kind of start there before we backtrack because I didn't know you as a kid. Sure. Um, Obviously, guitar players tend to hang out with guitar players. Or at least we have common grounds to talk before you know each other. Sure. And I think uh, one of our, and we'll kind of backtrack after this, but one of our biggest things we had in common aside from, like, obviously everybody, a lot of people love Blink, but we both have a really deep love for Newfound Glory. Absolutely. And and I think seeing each other live and listening to each other's music, we kind of saw that both in our guitar playing and stuff. So, but I, I wanted to kind of start and go backwards from there and, and kind of ask about your musical upbringing as a kid and then getting into your own music, like stuff that you liked, not just your parents or maybe your siblings. Sure. Before, before we get into everything, I want to give a massive sky point to DMX. <sighs> oh, yes. Absolutely. We lost, legend. we lost a legend like a day after we recorded last week, something like that. I, I wasn't sure if we were going to do that because I thought we, we might we might still do a DMX tribute episode. I'd love to do that. That'd be cool. In, in just the, the timeliness of things, so we'd need to acknowledge yeah. that we lost the legend. So a billion sky points for DMX. A million. 
That's fucking nuts, out. man. And uh, honestly, uh, I hope he may rest in peace and be at peace. I know that guy had a tough life, but um, he was, you know, not just saying this, he was a total legend in our own time. Absolutely. So, awesome. Um, not awesome that he's dead, but awesome that we can celebrate his life and we can do, we get, get to the tribute episode, hopefully, probably in a couple weeks. It'll launch. I'm cool with that. Uh, anyway, so yeah, my, my, my starting point question is kind of going back to, you know, you could talk, go far, as far back as you'd like, but there's obviously a point where you grow up with music, but then you kind of start finding your own. So maybe talk, talk a little bit about, you know, what you were listening to as a kid growing up, where that came from, and then discovering your own shit. Sure. Um, when I was really young, like the youngest I can remember, my mom listened to like, 90s pop radio country because that's just like what that's how what that's what moms do like all of them in the world um you listen to what your parents and uh the lame 90s radio pop country still i fucking love probably because it was just like the first music i ever heard in my life but also because a lot of it's fucking sick like alan jackson and garth brooks and george Strait and shit like i love all that stuff so fucking much for someone who wasn't raised on country, I actually really like those kind of, like, I love those two specifically. Yeah. Um, but I, I would just say, before you go on, that's a really great point that a lot of, I, I can agree with you, like, I love a lot of the earliest music I remember. Sure. Still, to this day. So, that makes sense. After that... I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. I, I'm sorry. I was all discombobulated. Uh, go ahead. I guess, like, after that, I was, what... That probably went on like 93, 94 maybe. So I was probably like six or seven. Um, just on MTV one day, I saw Green Day when I was like six early in the morning watching TV. I was like, oh shit, this is cool. And just stared at it and was like, yo, yeah. So funny, funny talking point here. So you and I are almost exactly five years apart. Mm-hmm. Almost like we are literally, our birthdays are a week apart. Um, and five years. And it's funny that you mentioned that because it sounds really similar to what I talked about with Blink. And it's funny because Dookie and Enema are five years exactly. apart. Exactly. It's the exact same situation. So it's just kind of funny how that is like, so I don't want to call it cyclical, but just how similar. There's there's a, there's parallels there. Right. Extreme it's parallels. No, it's, a, and and it's the exact really same similar. parallel because like you were six, you saw Blink on TV and you're like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then I and just before you remember the '90s a little bit more than I do, but do you just like do you remember like from what I remember because of probably because of Nirvana, oh yeah, rock or even before that even Guns N' Roses, rock was so mainstream. I've used rock in air quotes like whatever type grunge metal hair metal whatever that even on TV shows and everything it was people dressed like that people played guitar like it was. It was like an attractive look. Oh yeah. So when you see people playing guitars, like that's cool. You just know it's cool. It's absolutely cool. Right on. And about do you remember what you saw them doing on MTV? The one I come around video was on. Just oh okay, where they're walking around is like nice. These dudes wearing like sweaters, walking around. I'm like, hey, cool. And they have like crazy hair, like colors and stuff. It's sick. It's <laughs> it's like the what's my age again video, but instead of running, they're walking and then they're dressed. Yeah, with like blue hair. <laughs> um, about that same time, so I was like probably like yeah, six, seven, eight. 
my grandparents had seven kids and the youngest ones was like, I mean, still quite a bit older than me, but not like a ton older than me. Probably like what? I don't know. 20 or something like that older than me or probably less than that 15. I don't know. Um, was really into like sunny day and Morrissey and like echo and shit like that. Cool. It's like new wave and some of the early emo. Well, early nineties emo, not early emo, but yeah. And like, uh, like the muffs and like tiger trap and shit, like all that cool stuff. And I just heard it all the time, like hanging out at my grandparents' house cause she was there and thought it was super cool. So she got me into a bunch of like, it's weird a seven or eight year old kid, like having a Morrissey cassette and be like, Oh, this is sick. Yeah. But I think that's such an impressionable age. And like, you know, my uncle, um, my uncle that's closest in age to me is 13 years older than me, which sure. is more like a cousin, you know, mm-hmm. or like a big brother. So I have similar experiences in that. And I, I feel like anybody listening can probably relate to that if they have somebody close in age, but where they're older mm-hmm. and they can show them yeah. stuff. Um, and you got to think it, put yourself in their shoes. If you're going to show somebody something, obviously you want to show them something you actually love. And as a kid, almost anything that's cooler than what you already know is the coolest shit you've ever heard. Yeah, that's super true. I know that's a vague way of explaining it, but like you probably heard that kind of stuff and were just like blown away. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because really, shortly after, maybe like two years after that, um, I saw the Damn It video on MTV. I was like, oh, oh, there's fucking more of this kind of shit. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, don't you love that? Yeah. And you can never get you can never get that feeling back, but you can always remember. I remember like watching those videos and seeing like. A Pennywise sticker on something. So I like I look or like I go to the library, look up Pennywise. I'm like, okay, what is that? And I I right. find like Pennywise and Bad Religion and No Effects CDs um, at the library that, just because I would see stickers on people's guitars and music videos. I'm like, that what is video that alone. Um, you know how many people found bands? For, I mean, Tom's guitar that was in not just that video, but like at Warped Tour and stuff. The he at one point put the big lag wagon. Mm-hmm. That's how I found lag wagon. Was a, I think I had a picture of Tom. Yeah, it's absolutely old... how I found Lagwagon. You see that huge Lagwagon sticker on that one strat. And then and then they ended up, like, a, a little later coming on a Tony Hawk game. It was on Tony Hawk mm-hmm. 2. And then we were like, oh. Absolutely. And now I don't want to jump ahead, but that, that those worlds crossing is, like, you know, your your mind's blown then. You absolutely are. And it's the fucking best. But, uh, like, hearing that kind of stuff for the first time is the most exciting thing in the world. So would you say, like... um, Early on, finding discovering what I'm calling "quote unquote" like your own music, like finding stuff that you like on your own, even if people show it to you, you were pretty attracted to like punk rock and subgenres of that. Just yeah, loud, fast. Uh, the more melodic something is, punk rock wise, probably the more I'm gonna lean into it. Sure, yeah, pop like, punk and um, because even all the hardcore that I like is all super melodic. Like, I think yeah, I just really like me. melodic music. Because, like, even... I don't really like a ton of metal, but I love cheesy-ass metalcore like Kill Switch Engage and shit. It's because it's super melodic. I think that's, like, my... What's going to draw me to most of something is the melody work in music. I, I think it's funny you say that, because... Uh, not to get off oh, on a sure. tangent, but Steve and I had that conversation today, because I was talking about not really liking deathcore. Sure, I don't fucking like deathcore. It's boring. And it's just because like, there's not like hating on it, but there's no like melody line. Like when I write Stole Away music, it's screaming, but there's like a melody yeah, line usually in the chorus or something. Um, and that comes from listening to like Shai Halud and uh, shit like that. So um, 
I can totally understand where you're coming from. And I think um, starting, I mean, starting with Dookie is like the best starting point you can have mm-hmm. because as, as loud and aggressive and like, you know, pissed off or cynical that that album can be, it's super melodic. Absolutely. And um, there's a lot of different influences, like flashes of them that, that Billy Joe shows on that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite song is it pulling teeth? Is On Dookie, yeah, yeah. It's like the sixth track, I think, and it has kind of more of like a countryish vibe. Yeah, it absolutely does. That's like my favorite song because it's it's the different song, but it's so melodic. So not to talk about myself, but I think like um, if I mean if you're not familiar with Dookie, you got to go listen to it right now. But that's like an amazing starting. I don't point. know. I legitimately don't know anybody who isn't a hundred percent familiar with that record. Everyone I know knows that whole record. I mean, you know, aside from Nevermind, it's one of, you know, could be one of the most, po- uh, not popular, but uh, important guitar records or band, you know, that kind of music from the 90s. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a generational album. It's yeah. It's an essential record that you probably have at least heard it. Yeah, it's true. Right. So, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's not their best record, though. I mean, you can you can have arguments with that all you want. I just meant, like, generally speaking, that's a great starting point. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, I'm like, it's like a biased asshole thing to say, but like, in my opinion, it's like the most important album like ever made. Well, for, and, th- for, and that's like, for you though, you have you. There's no, it's all biased, but it's important that it's biased because that's your. It's about you. No, but I feel like I don't. I'm just like such a selfish ass that I think that should just be like the general consensus worldwide and I want everyone to agree with me about it so I talk about it constantly <laughs> well I mean sometimes people are unwilling to at least check stuff out and yeah uh, I, I do that too you know all the time someone will send me something like hey listen to this I'm like yeah I mean I might and I should the older you, the older you get the harder it is it really fucking is dude the older I get the like the less new music I listen to I listen to more like uh, like stuff that's new to me, but it's actually old. Oh sure. Like I go find like not and again not to turn this into me, but I'm saying like I go find old stuff and end up liking it more. And I think it just again you connect with what you listen to as a young kid, but also um, there's different. uh, And you we we all come from this pretty much the same generation where I think Steve's the tail end of it. Sure. But uh, we all come from a different set of ideals that aren't really reflected in music today. Yeah, that's fair. Like you know the just people when people start a uh, quote unquote like a musical career or path, they don't. It's not the same end goal. I don't think. Oh no, not at all. So I think like it reflects in the music. So, um, again, not there's a ton of great new music, but like. It's hard. But were you, back as a kid, were you pretty willing to check stuff out, though? Like, new stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, I, How did I find, like, the most new stuff? I remember, um, probably, well, what point would that be now? How far are we in a timeline? How old should I be by now? Uh, 94, you were, uh, what, seven? Seven, seven. So then, okay, between seven and ten... I listened to like a ton of Green Day still. Um, by ten, I listened to a lot of like Three Eleven. 
Just because, like, I mean, just the rock music you saw on MTV in, like, the late 90s is, like, just, you, well, you see that. Well, and that's that. a really, that was a really weird time because MTV was featuring, like, punk stuff and, like, a lot of alternative and new metal. So, like, you're going to get 311 and then Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, but then you're going to get, like, Matchbox 20. Yeah, so, like, it was so cool because you could have such, I don't know how to say this, two, like, different kinds of music, like punk rock and corny ass radio radio new metal i listened to a ton of both of those at the same time when i was like i don't know yeah 10 11 you had to but then you could go to warp tour that year and see like afi and the ataris and then see like 311 or alien ant farm at the same show and it was super sick well so the first warp tour you went to would have been still in the 90s right 2000 was my first warp tour not 99? Was it, Blink was there. That was 99. Because yeah. that wasn't at the M&M. Blink and, and M&M were Black there. IPs. So that was 99, right? Yeah. So yeah that so was my first work tour. Like 11 going on 12, mm-hmm. right? So that had to be a fucking, like, just it was, crushing it like, was experience. Insane. It was absolutely insane. I was pretty scared for, like, a couple hours. Cause I was, had you seen live music before that? Um, I went to the House of Blues and saw Lit and 22 Jackson Save Ferris in 1999, maybe a couple months before Warp Tour. Who, who took you to that? My mom and my aunt took me to that with my sister and her friend. And they like sat in the restaurant and we went and watched the show. Older sister, right? Not that much older. But I mean... Still, as kids, like that, she you you probably had a little bit of pull of like, oh well, she's old enough to go. I'm gonna go. Yeah, with so her. we got to go to a lot of shows when we were little, because we like we both listened to like Q101 and shit and wanted to go to shows. So that's something that you're gonna have more in common with Steve. Sure. Because I couldn't really go. I was probably 16 when I really started getting to go to shows. Sure. Yeah, like I basically still to this day, it's rare I don't go to a show without Mill. But uh. The, the older sibling influence definitely played a big part in my like musical upbringing. My si- my but, sister showed me Newfound Glory. Yeah, and see, and the thing is, I just wanted to ask because there's stuff that you kind of start separating on the older you get, but there's things that slip through the cracks that maybe she might not even care about, but that go to you, and it's like sure a huge deal. So I just I just thought that was interesting. So going back to to Warp Tour, did she go to Warp Tour? No, with I went you? with my neighbor. Okay. There was also so there was an older neighbor kid down the street. I still talk to him to this day. He plays in uh, ma- uh manifestations with Chris Plant. Oh, um, right I've on. known that I've known him since uh, I was probably four. He like because we grew up like two houses apart, mm. and he was into a lot of new metal and just like rock shit when we were really really young. So actually, yeah, he I have can't believe I haven't thought about that yet. Um. I saw a lot of just rock music in general. Like, his dad had like hair metal posters in the garage and shit, and just that was like, my first what, like thing to seeing like rock and roll anything in my life. I think that was that cool. that's a really that kid fucking rolls still. Before, I'm not trying to cut you off, but it just made me think that's really interesting how back in that time period because I talked about that too about having a neighbor who's a year and a half older mm-hmm. than me, but then his older brother's this old and this neighbor's this old and word of mouth 
was huge back then. Yeah, just like you hear the thing that like the kid that's a couple older, a couple years older, and you think is cool, and like, oh, what is that? And then you look at it like, oh shit, that is cool. So and there's no Twitter mm-mm. or anything on your phone. There's TV, and I mean, there's like AOL, but that's not nearly. I mean, you you couldn't even be on the phone when you were using the internet back then. Nope. So that's really cool. So this guy um, was like one of your homies that like probably showed you some music too. Then yeah, like Metallica. Um, he showed me the Cranberries. Um, hey, rad. I fucking love the Cranberries. Sky so. Point. A- absolutely, the Cranberries are fucking amazing band. Very great band. Yeah. Um, and then he showed me like West Side Connection and like um, a bunch of other like hard ass gangster rap. Okay, that's actually something I was going to ask you is when did um, the hip-hop element kind of come into your life? Beastie Boys, when I was probably six. Okay, so still, like, at the time you were getting into, like, Green Day. Mm-hmm. I just discovered all this music from just, like, the radio and my neighbors and my older relatives all at the same time. Like, all these, these different kinds of music all at once. Like, oh, shit, it's all fucking sick. That's really cool, though, because... Again, I don't think for people who weren't around, and I'm, and it, you know, it's just circumstance of the times, they don't realize how blended the and diverse the music was on the same channels. Absolutely, all the time. Or that there was music on TV. And and if I can add to that, it's kind of like when you're finding your path and you're figuring out like what music you like, what music you don't yourself, not just from what's being played in the car or whatever. It's like that's a lot of cool shit and a lot of different stuff as well. Yeah, it absolutely. Kind of opens the doors for so much at such a young age. It absolutely did. Because like when you hear all this stuff around you all the time, and you think it's all kind of cool, and then you're watching MTV in like 1998 for like an extended period of time. It's like the summer or whatever. You have nothing to do, so you just watch MTV all day long. And you're like, yeah, it's hot and as you're hell like in Indiana. 11. And then in that same day, you're seeing like Phoenix TX, and you're seeing like early Jay-Z and you're seeing NSYNC and you're seeing Blink and you're seeing Korn all on the same channel at the same time all day long. It's sick because it's all awesome. It's all good shit to watch. And it's it's interesting because like I think back then even though there were some people who mostly liked rap, some people who mostly liked rock and some people who mostly liked the pop music like I have like cousins who will be like, oh, I know that newfound glory song. They used to play like my friends over you. Like they'll come on and they're not really like band people. No, but they know that song. But they're like, oh, well, that was on MTV all the time. Great song, or like all downhill from here, or something like that. And it's kind of interesting because it's like nowadays, it's like I'll be honest. As much as I claim to be a music person, like I don't know a lot of popular songs because it's not stuff I usually listen to. Right. And I don't go out of my way to find it even though you can just go on Spotify and find shit. So it's like times were different, but it was, it was cool. It was cool. And that kind of sets a whole generation up. Like, you know, you and I and Steve and a lot of other people where, um, your influences are, are not just all from the same, you know, yep. Not cut from the same cloth. Yeah. That's, so to speak. that's a good way to put that. That's cool. So, um, so I don't know if you want to, you kind of can just take us through this, but obviously warp tour and more shows going forward. And then I wanted you to jump off when you got to starting to play music. Yeah. I was was gonna, uh, I was just about to ask like, at what point 
was it for you that you needed to do it? Or it's more of just like, I need to do this. Um, I remember probably like eight or nine, I stumbled across like a musician's friend catalog or something somewhere. Oh, so cool. then I saw the phone number on it. I was like, hey, call this. We'll send you these all the time. And I'm like, tight. So I would get these musicians' friend catalogs for years, like between like eight and like probably eleven, and just had them. Because when you're like nine years old, how the fuck are you gonna buy a guitar? And those used to be thick, dude. Because they didn't... thick. It was so cool. Because the internet wasn't as so, big like, as it is their now. Their whole ass inventories in that fucking yeah, thing. The... Everything they I got. Used to, I used to like get those and like put stars next to stuff I oh, wanted or circle shit or years cut it I out. did that. Yeah. I still want stuff. I still there. fucking um, do. I still do that. I just have it on like as like lists on my Sweetwater account. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nice to know the musician has a lot of friends. Oh yeah. That is um, cool. <laughs> uh, so you were looking at that though before you got a guitar. I'm oh sorry. fuck. Absolutely. All the time. Like just reading all the information that was in there. Getting like Putting that information together and getting kind of an understanding of just what everything is. I'm like, oh, I like this stuff. This is cool. So when you were doing this before you even had a guitar, you probably then you might have had a better idea of at least what you thought stuff was or what you liked or wanted. Obviously, it's hard to tell when you don't hold it. Everybody, you know, sure. we all use our eyes. And then we're like, oh, it's, you know, but um you still have a cognizant understanding of like, well, I like this or I want this one. No, like when I was like looking for like when i was getting my first guitar like i knew like what a strat was like what a tally was what a les paul was because like reading these catalogs all the time i just figured out what everything was and like memorized the shit see that's really cool i i very i had a much vaguer understanding i don't know if vaguer is a word vague much more vague understanding of like you know i knew strat and like les paul and flying v and whatever but like I had no idea about like the pickups and all mm. that shit. Oh yeah. Uh, last week, you mentioned that you actually wanted to play drums first. I did want to play drums first. What What happened there? Like, what What made the, the switch to guitar? A guitar was obtainable. Was it just noise or like or what, what? putting a drum set anywhere? Like, no one's gonna be psyched on that. Like, you could like, ask any parents, like, yo, I want a drum set. They're going to be like, dude, fuck you. Like, do you know how loud it is? No way. Yeah, I mean, and this is probably, like, obviously it's expensive, but this was before electric drum sets were so standard. For too. sure. It just would have been a regular ass. Plus, who the hell wants an electric drum kit? Everyone wants a badass. No, dude, drum. I want an electric drum kit to have in my room to, like, port it, well, port it into MIDI, like, real yeah, bad, now, actually. But... <laughs> like, to be so now, sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, put like I'll like upload all my drum samples dude, on there. Dude, for fucking sure, that'd be cool as hell. <laughs> I have so the, he's gonna be playing the Putney kit. Dude, I have so many I kits now. I have like five. I got. I just. I just fucking China symbol all day on there. Every piece is a China symbol. <laughs> There's like fourteen China symbols. <laughs> this is why parents don't want you to have it. See, yeah. we just we just gave the example. Yep. Yeah. But um. Yeah, because we're joking. We're joking the other day about getting a gong. Dude, sick. <laughs> Off topic. Was there anything about the guitar that like drew you to it specifically? Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong playing guitar. Seeing seeing him just play like a that like light blue sticker to shit strat low as fuck, strumming super super hard, and it's just really loud. I'm like, dude, fucking yeah, I want to do that. So then that's the only thing I learned how to do on guitar, and I have not got any better at guitar. <laughs> 
Well, I think it's interesting when I talk to people in the same boat as like you or I, where a lot of our influence comes from either like pop punk or punk rock or stuff like that. Sure. And you have this really, um, you know, obviously not everybody's the same, but I feel like a lot of people, especially in our generation, have developed, and I, I, I put both of us in this category, like a really good baseline of like tight rhythmic playing and like a sense of melody. Yeah. And I feel like there are people who jump straight to metal and then they they get sloppy habits because they're learning how to play stuff that they're not capable of yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm not saying don't challenge yourself, but like um, I think like learning the four chord palm mute, you know, whatever, like learning how to play basket case is like a, not a bad thing. No, not at all. So like that's a really good like kind of baseline to have. And I was actually going to ask you, did you jump right into... Like learning Green Day. The first song I learned was the intro riff to Helena by the Misfits. Okay, so but you're in that punk realm. Yeah. And what uh, what was your first guitar, by the way? It was a Rogue SH2, I think it's called. It's just like it's like a Strat. It's a Strat with a humbucker in it. Like it's a a shitty like. What color? Dark blue. Um, whatever. What was it called? That dark like. Late nineties Fender Blue, they still do it. Oh, like, like the like, the, like blue. the cheap like Squire Bullet Blue. Oh yeah, that's a nice blue. I really like that color actually. That's you know what? It, I just wanted to ask because at least you had a humbucker in yours. I got it specifically because it came. The, it was an option with a humbucker or with a single coil, and the Tom DeLonge Strat had just come out, and I know that that said humbucker on it. So I'm like, this one says that I'm gonna get this one. Yeah, because. I, I, that's the thing. I was like, when I was a kid, I didn't know shit about pickups. I just said, well, when I can, I'm getting an Invader because that's what Tom uses. Yeah. And I have a bunch of them sitting right next to me, so there you go. <laughs> I love Invaders. Invaders, probably not my favorite pickup, though. No, but I'm just saying, like, it's uh, it's funny how you're just like, as a kid, you're like, well, I don't know the difference, oh, sure. but I want it because Tom uses it. <laughs> And whatever, I still, you know. I still wanted like I if I ever get another strat, I, I want to strap the fucking invader in it just because duh, like yeah, they sound great. Kind, like they sound great for like some stuff. They don't sound really good for most things though. <laughs> That's true, but I mean, you know, you're you're a pretty uh, you're you're pretty you know, in the lane of bridge pickup. You know, medium to high gain. No, bridge pickup only, lots of gain all the time, nothing else ever. So, I mean, it's like, that's not going to sound bad for mm-hmm. that. It's not. Um, we kind of fell off the timeline, but uh, before we jump true, back on true. that. Uh, Sorry, Tom long type beat. I still wanted to play the soundtrack side panel. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we missed a bunch. Oh, shit. Sorry. So, well, so like, well, you kind of hit some of the bands, so why don't we go to the early 90s before Green Day? Okay. Start there, right, Steve? Yeah, sure, why not? My pre-Green Day song, or pre-Green Day Point of Life like soundtrack song would be uh, Two Dozen Roses by Shenandoah. Absolutely. Cool. And then, how about like post-Green Day? Like, 94 era or after? Coming Clean by Green Day. 
Oh, like, but post Green Day, like, like... well, well, uh, it could be a Green Day song, but I'm just saying, like, after you heard like punk rock mm. and stuff like that. You, yeah, you discovering punk rock being like the event horizon there. Um, like everything changes. You have your you have your bands, your songs. What, what are you picking from that group? Generator by Bad Religion. Respect. I actually I saw that on MTV in like 1994, 1995, on like 120 minutes or some shit. Well, in like '94, when they put out "Stranger Than Fiction," they were like trying to push them as like a bigger band, and then I feel like they kind of were like, "Fuck this." Yeah, they were. It's a good album still, though. Yeah, then like they're just like, "Hey, you know what we're gonna do instead? We're gonna write the same album for 40 years. <laughs> All their records right. sound the same. They've been a band for 40 years. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Ramones did it. Terror's doing it now." Yeah, you know I mean, if you do one thing I and mean, you do it that well, fucking do it. No one does bad religion better than bad religion does. Fuck it, let them well, do it. Well, <laughs> well, look at how much we complain about New A Day to Remember. If they would have just kept making like the first three albums, four albums, it's fine. But th- that is so stylized that it would be corny over time. Bad well, religion's just... music is—it's never changed, but it's never gotten corny. It's all sick. I, mean, I did remember doing that same type of like if they did a for those who have heart like still now you'd be like oh Christ At yeah but the albums flowed yeah but like <laughs> it, okay but like what's okay okay but like take the cheesiest shit off of for those who have heart and it's still better than what they have now this is a there's different a, discussion there's a couple of songs on the new record but like there the few really heavy songs are really really heavy. I just I, I just sick. like listen to that and I'm like I can't believe as an album I'm like I can't believe they like let this come. Man, out. they made that record for like four years. <laughs> four years strong. Like, it feels like they couldn't be bothered. Right, like it was a big secretive crazy deal. And like it'll happen eventually. It'll happen eventually. Like this is what happened. You're welcome. Like dude, call me. Fuck you. Like that's. I think they. I think they know, and I think they're just gonna break up now. I I don't know about that. Too much, too much of the of the moolah. Dude, yeah, but dude, Anyways. nobody likes that record. Well, they might, they might also put out like I don't think they're on a label now. No, they put out all their own shit for a long ass time. It's nuts. So like they they could just whip up something cool and put it out whenever they want. That's when true. They get the rights when they get the rights to all their albums because Victory was bought out. Oh yeah. Then they'll. But I, I, f- play the hits, play I feel it. like they'll do something like like dogs eating dogs. Oh, fair. oh, that'd be so sick. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't do an EP re- real quick. Ooh, how we don't know if we've ever talked about this. How do you feel about the back half of dogs eating dogs? Um, I like the whole thing for well, I I don't care. I I'm, I'm indifferent about Yellow Wolf being on it. But uh, I like the whole thing because they just did it. Like, there it wasn't, like, a planned thing. So I take it with the grain of salt of that they just went into the studio and recorded it. Sure. But uh, it sounds more natural. Blink. It doesn't sound like Angels and Airwaves. That's true. Because the thing is, Mark Hoppus, like, doesn't sound good on Angels and Airwaves songs. It's not that I don't like Angels and Airwaves. Mark Hoppus but, like, is not on any Angels and Airwaves songs. On neighborhoods, he is. Oh, oh! <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Is like, 
It's like that's what that's like what they came they came back together and it just was like kind of weird. There's a still, there's like, a couple songs on neighborhoods that are really really good. No, totally. It's just like um, it. It's not that I don't like it. It's just very like it feels bizarre. It's not that it is bizarre. It's bizarre it as hell. Like, that album is weird. <laughs> you're like, what the hell? And then um, and we'll get back on track. I'll just say this: dogs eating dogs feels like Tom's where he wants to be. He's not reverting backwards, but it doesn't sound as like spaceman drug addict sure. shit, you know. Um, and then. Now it's like with Blink, it's like, well, this is weird because Matt Skiba should be sleeping upside down in his vampire coffin, but at least it sounds like something palatable for Mark Hoppus to write naturally to. Sure. Because Mark so, Hoppus is doing the bad religion thing. Yep, yeah, fair. It just sounds modern because Feldman. Yeah, that is. And Tom's not writing the riffs. That's the only. If Tom was writing the riffs, it would sound like old Blink with modern production. Anyways, go ahead. I would say so. What changed, or not? What changed? Where are we at with with the guitar? Like, what year? I got. Did you get your first? Um, I got my first electric. I got a shitty acoustic guitar when for Christmas when I was I think nine maybe. Um, and I got my first actual electric guitar in nineteen ninety nine, the summer of nineteen ninety nine. So like around Warp Tour, I got my my first guitar a week before I went to my first Warp Tour. So I think we need a song for that era. My first Warp Tour song is gonna be. Fucking Christ! What a hard question. <laughs> um. Or just something you were listening to. We can always add more to this later. No, I got it. We're trying to put you on blast, uh, Larry. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> what the fuck was the song? Just like yelling at him. <laughs> Under Lock and Key by MXPX. Cool. Yeah. And that's another band that you love that we'll probably talk more about today. Yeah, we sure fucking are. There's a, I know we haven't there's a couple really... that are coming up, though, that are big ones. I Yeah, I figure we kind of, this is chronological. Um, Green Day and, you know, Blink kind of slide in first due to them being old as shit. Yeah. Um, MXPX so, is all the shit too though Their first record came out in 1994 That's true But like Green Day I mean if, if You know Blinks did a 95 Yeah MXPX didn't get really big Until like 97, 98 Yeah it's just like when You don't get to hear them When they're Back then too Again with the internet It's like You couldn't just find shit No, uh, There was a show on MTV In 1996 Called Oddville it was uh-huh. just like this weird like showcase show of people that did strange shit and they had bands on it. And MXPX was on it one time and I saw it like on a Saturday night at home watching MTV as a, like a little kid. See, there used to be a lot of stuff like that on MTV. Dude, I saw um, I saw Sunny Day Real Estate on MTV as a kid. Like, dude, when I was really the, little, MTV like everyone got their shit from MTV because it was a good fucking source dude's- of shit. What's what's the dude's name who's the interviewer? Matt, Matt Pinfield? Uh, Matt Pinfield used to have like 120 minutes. Yeah, and I saw Hate Breed on 120 minutes since she was a yeah, kid. Yeah, Blink was on there. Uh, I don't know, probably Matchbox 20. Like all that stuff in the mid-90s. Everything. It was awesome. Um, Ever, I so saw like, like Everclear and shit on there all the time. It was great. <laughs> Bush. I was, so uh, I was really into Bush in the, in the mid to late 90s too. I mean, that album 
is that first the ninety one from ninety four is huge. Still, one after that's my favorite though. Um, that's fair. It's just funny to me because this is just a quick side tangent. When they opened the United Center, it opened for fall of ninety four. So when they moved the Bulls and Blackhawks in there, it was like peak grunge, like Pearl Jam and Bush and shit. And that's still all they play at Hawks games is like Bush, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, uh, Pearl. Like Pearl Jam's are number one, and it's just funny because I'm like, I like that it's not all modern, but I'm like, this is really, really dated. Yeah. So, but that's like that's what the shit was that was on then. So sure. So then, after my first Warp tour, I think what well, I just had just started junior high then. Yeah, like my first warp tour was my summer going into my first year of like leaving elementary school and going to yeah, going. Yeah, you're turning twelve. I right? was turning twelve, going to a, like a school where like you have to. There's a bell and you have to change to another class yeah. and have a locker and shit. That's when I got my guitar um, too. So it's funny again the parallels that we're having right that's now. That's nuts. Sorry. No, it's okay because it it all fucking lines up just a but, little uh, bit prior. It's it kind of. Like, crazy no but this is a, a really important time to like learn all that stuff about like you know the guitar helps you cope yeah oh fucking absolutely <clears throat> and then i remember punk rock culture guitar culture whatever blah 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 skateboarding was involved with it so it just, just was the thing that was around you go to a music festival steve caballero's there on the fucking ramp um x games is always on like it's just a th- part of culture you see it so you're like oh Tony i'm interested Hawk in games. this and you get into it you buy magazines you buy skateboards it's just there tony hawk games at that time were huge absolutely so i got my first skateboard when i was probably 11 um it was a zero just the black bulb says zero in big letters across it yeah the classic mm. Fucked around with my friends in parking lots, like, after school. Cruised around. Listened to, like, punk rock cassettes on, like, a battery-operated boombox. What, those huge, like, C batteries? It it sounds like a scene from, like, an 80s movie because it was a super fucking long time ago. Jesus Christ. No, but those boomboxes, they took those huge, like, C batteries. Dude, yeah, that thing weighed, like, 30 pounds. Yeah, I I had, like, four of them in there. Sounded and they died like ass week. too. It probably sounded terrible. You be carrying on your, you probably carrying on your shoulder, thinking you look sick, and then you're like, "Oh, I dislocated it." You're like, "Yeah," and I, I look like a douchebag, and this sounds like shit. I'm gonna start doing that. Carrying around all, no, like actually, old ass nobody looks like a douchebag when they do that. They actually look cool. You, you probably look sick. I don't, I don't care who you are. We broke it, but we were a troll trying to ollie over it, and someone landed on Did it, you... and they broke it, and we were all pissed. <laughs> What was the first cassette you got? Dookie. Well, like, was my own, with you... my own money? Yeah. Dookie. It was on cassette? No, that's not true. The first cassette I got was Kerplunk from the library. Okay, but like, those were not CD, right? They were cassette. cassette. I went to the library to get Dookie. They didn't have it, but they had Kerplunk. And I'm like, oh, this is still Green Day? I want to get this one. Did you remember what the first CD you got was? I don't know if that was a big deal or not because CD the was... The first CD I had was 16 Stone from Bush. 
Cause like I don't know if you you are like this too, but for me like I I still like I had both. I still listen to tapes into like the early two thousands. I was wrong. My first CD was Tragic Kingdom. Actually, that's an, a fucking amazing album. That was my first CD. Was Tragic Kingdom. Not that Sixteen Stones, yeah. not. But I mean that that. No, I had Sixteen no Stone on cassette before I got that. Breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> that's dead on. That was that's the. Long- that song's very important to us for a weird reason. What's the weird reason? The Hawks took the ice to it in like 2006. That's what. That's it was not a weird reason. That's games. a super normal reason to like that song. They, would, they, they still play the song at games, but like when they would do their big taking the ice thing, it'd be like the like the octaves. Yeah, that riff is sick. Before they had like projector screens and shit, there was like a like a laser animation of like a guy skating through the city. Yeah, it was like still from 1994. Now they like they put like movies on the ice and stuff because it's 2021 and it's, it's the future. And the, the the jumbotron is like bigger than the rink. But again, we're talking about like an era where Larry's like, yeah, I had to put fucking batteries in my jam box. Yeah, but you said you said that Bush record, and immediately the uh, you the just hear those head, octaves. The machine head riff, yeah, just kicked in my head. So that same time, like skateboard. That's actually Casualty too. It's the same song. Sorry. If you li- if you listen, to I can it. tell you a bunch of my riffs that are also the same song as something else too. Right, probably off most of them. <laughs> most of my riffs yeah. are something. We just ri- we all just ripped off Machine Head by Bush. Dude, how, how many heavy melodic riffs can actually be written? Like they're all done by now. Just just pick one of them. Like, There's a. I think I told you this earlier, but I have a neighbor, and I love uh, I'm, it. I'm guessing. I don't know. I guess I'm guessing it's a dude's wife because it's like a couple of kids, but it's like this hot like wife, and she goes outside and just like lays out, and she's like playing that record all the time. So I just hear Bush songs blasting. Oh, and then, I I woke up the other day uh-huh. and I just hear. Yeah, she's always listening to like grunge, and she's out there like sunbathing, and I'm like, what the? This is like Stifler's mom out of a movie type shit. Just very strange to wake up, and you know sometimes you'll have, you'll hear noise coming through the window, mm. but you just hear. Uh, a token 90s grunge. That's Actually, speaking of grunge, like, I remember being really little, like, five or six, maybe. And I don't have a lot of, like, tight shit to talk about about my dad, but I do remember being in his truck and he had him having Soundgarden on and then thinking, like, oh, this is fucking cool. Super unknown. Just, just loud, just like. Yeah, it's awesome. Dude, Sky Skypoint, Chris Cornell. Like, I'm not a big Soundgarden fan now, really, by any means. But but they're a good. Hearing band. that shit super loud as a kid is like, oh, what the fuck, dude, cool. That was they're that was band, fucking though. tight. Um, that that is sick. Uh, I was just gonna say my favorite grunge thing was going to work every morning and hearing you, Josh, and Jake just singing Pearl Jam. I mean, Jake still do that. <laughs> Shout out Jake. Jake is really cool. Shout out. I went to IKEA with Jake the other day. Jake just moved in with his girlfriend, and uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, I gotta go pick up a couch from IKEA and like go to my apartment." Like, "Oh, dude, like I'll go with you and help you out." So we went. That's horny, Jake. (laughs) Dude, Jake's fucking red. Jake's a solid dude. I really like Jake. As opposed to liquid, dude. Gas dude. Fin- finally, liquid dude. <laughs> um, no, Jake Jake is really cool. Jake, uh, I met Jake uh, when he was working at Subway. 
Steve had a counterparts hat on. We went in to get a sandwich, and he was like, "Oh, counterparts! That's, I love them." And then, like, I went out to my car and gave him a stole away CD. I was like, "Oh, this is our band. You might like it." And, and he, he literally came to our next show. Yeah, he came to our next show and bought a bunch of shit. Yeah, dude, Jake fucking rules, man. So that's really like, like, I didn't mean to go into that story, but that like left a huge impression on me. And then I ended up working with him for a little bit, and he's a really cool dude. Yeah. Big, big up, big up, Jake, and uh, congrats on the new living situation and couch. And couch. <laughs> and congrats on going to Ikea. He had to go twice because the first time they didn't give him all the shit. <laughs> oh, that sucks. I told him that too. Like, we, but they put all the shit into the mic too. Like, dude, this can't be fucking all of it. He's like, oh, I think it is. And we left. I'm like, all right, dude, you have to come back. And then he did. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's that. So, so getting us a little bit back on track. So this is like going into the 2000s. That's a good You're one. Learning guitar, you know, and, and th- this is an interesting time in general. Yeah, you know, yeah, because transitioning out of the '90s was rough because there was a lot of stuff right away that everybody was like excited, like new millennium, futuristic shit, and then, but then there's also kind of like, it's like the '90s was so good we kind of like ditch stuff probably too soon. Sure, sure, uh, yeah, very true. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like everyone's always excited for a new toy. You know, oh, it's futuristic and the fucking the fashion changed and the technology, but it it, it was a really bizarre time. So I want to kind of get your just general on going into the 2000s and you're in middle schools too. So it's just generally probably a bizarre time. In the late 90s, before we get to the exact 2000s, the late, like late, late 90s, I saw fucking NSYNC and Janet Jackson. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you saw Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson before he p- pulled her boob out. That's true. I didn't think about that. Dude, they opened for her and then sh- her show, like, and it was the sickest thing. It's funny, like, don't get me wrong, like, I know how huge Janet Jackson is, especially then, but, like, it's funny thinking about NSYNC opening for anybody because right around the corner they were going to be the biggest band in the world. There was something really, really early on in my life that musical that I did not mention, and I'm super kind of like embarrassed I didn't mention it. I it's okay. It's a good way to insert it. Um, I had the a VHS copy like ripped off the TV like from when it aired. Of uh, that was a normal thing back then. Kids. Of the uh, the new kids on the block Disney Channel concert. Yes, and I watched it every day when I was like. Three or four. I watched it every day. I loved it. New Kids on the Block were very, very big then. And I remember watching that all the time and just thinking it was the coolest. And they were the coolest fucking dudes in the world. So that's kind of the parallel we have. Obviously, I had that a little bit more with like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys in the mid But exact same parallel though again. (laughs) But, But like before getting into like Blink, you know, it was like. Backstreet Boys and In uh, Sync were putting out records and Britney Spears and stuff, um, but um, it's funny because you got you you kind of had that as a young kid, and then we joked around about it, and then we just kind of like went off the deep end with New Kids on the Block. Mm-hmm. I had a New Kids on the Block dolls. I also had an MC Hammer doll. Also, Damn. that's probably worth um, the dough now. And. Ninja Turtles 2, the second oh. one, when Vanilla Ice raps. 
Yeah. I stood up at the movie theater and danced the entire rap. Oh, you saw it in the theater? Fuck yeah. And I, I awesome. danced the whole ass vanilla ice rap like standing up. No one else was doing it, but I was doing it. See, that movie came out like probably when I was born. That's one of my earliest memories is dancing to the Vanilla Ice rap. I mean, I know those Ninja Turtle movies like the back of my hand because they were still really popular when I was growing up. Ninja Turtles in general. Oh, yeah. um, That movie's so goofy because uh, Vanilla Ice is just like fucking full Vanilla Ice. And it's not that it didn't age well, but it's just so specific to him that when you watch it you're like yeah, this is only him like this this is a fucking snapshot of pop culture at that time oh absolutely yeah i mean that's just so i mean the fucking haircut the, all the shit steps shaved into his bleached hair like it was like jordan is like he tried to rip off jordan knight and mc hammer and combine them and he nailed it <laughs> <laughs> i mean for what it's worth yeah <laughs> Uh, I had a VHS copy of, this is the last super, super early 90s thing. There's, I just forgot a couple of them, sorry. Um, it was a VHS copy of the MC Hammer music video single from the Addams Family movie. <laughs> and I watched that all the fucking time, too. And I was like, I was like four or five. Christina Ricci in it, yeah. Ricci? That's funny. It was sick. She's like MC um, Hammer rapping in a graveyard with a bunch of like zombies with like crazy haircuts and shit. It was super tight. Well, and this kind of goes back to our conversation we had on a. I'm gonna th- throw back to an old episode about movie soundtracks. How involved they were to sell. Like, oh were god, yeah, yeah. So like, if you like think about it, it's like Ninja Turtles is very very popular. Vanilla Ice is very very popular. They're gonna sell it to kids. They're gonna sell it to people like Vanilla Ice. Same thing with MC Hammer. It's sure. Like, there are probably a bunch of people who don't give a fuck about the Adams Family, but they give a huge fuck about MC Hammer because he was huge back then. Yeah. So that's like a kind of a just wanted to throw it back to that conversation because it ties right in. It absolutely does because I didn't give a fuck about the Adams Family, but I had that because MC Hammer was tight. Yeah. That's exactly why. It's a good point. I mean, they, they you know, when they could still sell albums, they yeah they hustled their ass off. All right, so where are we now? We were like 2000, right? When we're like it's supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. Turn of the millennium. You've been playing music for a little bit now. Uh, what's what's being played at this time? Uh, 2000, 2001. Um, AFI, the Ataris, the Distillers, um, saves the day. Thursday. Um. So these are the big ones for you. Poison the well. I, I shouldn't get to getting to hardcore emo yet. Um, and anything you want to throw on the soundtrack at Turn of the Millennium? Turn of the Millennium. Better off dead by Newfound Glory. Newfound is is not a band we really touched on a Mills episode. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. I think you should now. So you said uh, from your older sibling you heard Newfound the first mm-hmm. time. Was it just an immediate thing, or were you just like, oh, that's cool, I'm gonna check it out later? Um, I heard it coming from the living room. It was on a like a real world like um Fucking a VHS hell. like home extra bonus footage like thing. 
You like oh, you buy a border. It's insane. like so we had that because those couple of seasons of the Real World were fucking so sick, dude. Like late nineties, early two thousands MTV, even the reality shows, sick. The, Shout out the Miz, dude. Great shit. Road rules and shit, and like old Real World, phenomenal. Also, Daria and shit was on MTV back then. MTV was the best when I was a kid. Um, also, like in ninety nine and two thousand, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing Cartman from South Park. Fucking true. It was like every we shirt, had to sneak every fucking watching South Park because South Park was on Sunday and on Wednesday, and bumper stickers. So we, the video game like, came out. It aired on Wednesday and it re-aired on Sunday, and we couldn't watch it on Wednesday because my mom was home. But by the time that it aired on Sunday, my mom was still at work, so we got to watch it. <laughs> it was so sick, and I was like, you know, ten. And I'm like, so like I should not have been seeing that shit on TV. It's fucking vulgar as hell. Yeah, that was a um, fun time. That movie was nuts. Too. But so, um, turn of the century. I'm listening to a lot of AFI, um, Newfound Glory. Rare. Um, and I remember hearing Newfound Glory on this. That's where we were. This uh, MTV Rear World VHS. And walking, I'm like, oh my, this sounds like Blink 182. What is this? And like, I scroll through the credits. And I'm like, okay, that's what it is. Because it was it was on her VHS, and I went and walked in, had to find it, but uh. So then I go on to a dial-up internet fucking 56K home computer and go to, like, web crawler or some bullshit because that was, or like, Ask Jeeves. And I'm like, what is New Found Glory? And they came up on something. I'm like, oh, cool. And at th- then you find someone's Angel Fire site that has, like, fucking film pictures scanned yeah. in. No, like, um, nothing Gold Can Stay was out at that point. And they were on, like... Probably the movie soundtrack. Um, when I like, I did their like, I guess Yahoo search or whatever. It took me to like HXC MP3 or something, and it had like their eulogy release up there. And I'm like, oh, these guys look like Blink 182 kind of. And I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, dude, yeah, tight. <clears throat> and uh, they've just been around their whole the whole time. They've just always been there in my life, ever since I saw them on a like a. Rear world bonus footage VHS. I'm like, okay, cool. This is gonna be so, in my life forever. So is this kind of one of those things where like you liked it right off the bat, and then as you kept up with it, it just became one of those things where it's like, well, Newfound Glory is just one of my favorite bands. Yeah, like yeah. just never faded and never, never stopped. I heard it the first time, and I'm like, oh shit! Like this isn't like anything else except Blink. No, and it's a lot like tons of other shit, like Midtown and all like no, 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 like early Starlight, all the shit. It all sounds the same, but it's all sick. Well, I mean, to be fair, out of like those kind of pop punk bands, Newfound Glory is unique in that it's it's like kind of like rhythmically hardcore. Rhythm- Newfound Glory is a hardcore band, but they have like a pop vocal. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so before we keep going, do you guys want to take a quick uh, like halftime? Yeah, sure. And then um, we can I, we'll probably do a couple of these, but we'll just do a quick halftime, and then we're kind of sitting at two thousand Newfound Glory. We can kind of go from beautiful. There. We'll call it we'll call it an intermission. Beautiful. Yeah, we're doing intermissions instead of half times because okay, gotcha. All right, cool. I'll be back in a bit. So we are we're back from first intermission, and we hope you enjoyed your break. Uh, that was all of probably a second. Uh, anyway, so we're kind of floating around the year two thousand, and Larry's kind of timeline here. Newfound Glory, he's playing guitar. Um, you're in middle school, so something I kind of wanted to ask, but you can fill in the blanks along the way if I skip anything. I wanted to ask about like when you started jamming with people and starting bands. 
Um, me and my friend Caleb, we would skateboard together in sixth grade, whatever. So around um, this time. Yeah, at this time. Um, Perfect. We would skate, like, he lived down the street from me. We would skateboard. We'd hang out. Um, he was like a pastor's kid from like a, like a conservative Christian family, but he was just into skateboarding. Um, Word. And then uh, we started skateboarding together, hanging out like a fucking shit ton, like every day, all the time. Skate um, to church. Because like we got into, like we were in skateboarding and then I was already into punk rock and we'd be like skate, like I had a, an old church pew in my basement. Um, and That's cool. he would skate it because he was way better at skateboarding than me. So he would skate it and I would just like sit down there and like play punk rock, like on my, like put a CD in my PlayStation and like play out of the TV or whatever. You're always into um, both, but only, you're only good at one. It's like the rule. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then he'd be like, what, what is this? He's like, this is so cool to skate to. I'm like, oh, it's punk rock. Cause he knew like blank and stuff from TV. Yeah. Well, they're huge. But he's like, put on something that would be like really cool to skate to. And I put on Pump Up the Volume by No Effects. And he's like, oh, fucking sick. And he did his first kickflip ever. Yeah, see? And it was like, the most like monumental thing that ever. It was amazing. Yeah, that's so sick. <laughs> and shout out No Effects. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, Another. um, I like just real quick flashback to like, actually about 2000. Actually, this is still a good time for this. Um, I remember going to like a Borders. Or like a um a, like a Best Buy a place that sold a shit ton of million CDs because you go to an electronic store and it's all fucking CDs because that's what how the world yeah was. they had those shelves those awesome. deep they were like deep staggered miles of fucking CDs took forever to find what you were looking for but it was, but it was sick. sick um so so good. I remember seeing a comp an Epitaph Records like Punkarama five it was like yeah. five dollars like forty punk rock songs I'm like oh cool. That's and I saw I, that's there a good was deal like now. there was like Pennywise was on it like Pulley and like Melancholy and a couple band, band names I recognized I'm like I should get this and I found a million bands from that. I found Hot Water Music from that um, which is like what you're in now that's true that's <laughs> fucking super true so it's important sick. important buy there very very big deal um, and then actually discovering Hot Water Music in about that time is kind of what got me into emo ish stuff because then I got into like thursday um the juliana theory but we're not there yet i'm still talking about when for I'm any of our guitar. younger listeners what he's talking about is before spotify you didn't have playlists you had to physically buy compilations you had to buy a cd of a bunch of bands you never heard and hope it was good but it was and the it same usually I- fucking all was really good but there but it's the same idea it's almost like making a playlist it's exactly your- it's just not delivered to your phone tailored for you <laughs> yeah but it's cool because that's like you said you discovered shit that's still important to you oh yeah it's where i first heard but, h2o and stuff yeah but just while we're at this i just want to ask you this do you have any other albums off the top of your head that you like took a shot in the dark for either uh i know i know the, the cover's cool or mm. i'm i heard of them but i never listened to them and it ended up being a great record zayo and sidewalk slam oh beautiful oh, yeah zayo and sidewalk slam are two of my favorite bands of all time um this goes actually um my one friend i used to skate with being a pastor's kid, like his family was like, come to church, come to church. And I'm like, dude, no, I'm never coming to church. Cause I was like this little punk rock kid. Then I did go. And then it was like, a actually like a super huge, probably like five year window of my life. And it was like, I did it was super into it. Um, that's whatever. 
But through that, I discovered like Tooth and Nail Records. So it was like Christian, punk rock, emo stuff. I mean, for people who aren't, even if you're not uh, of that religion or any religion at all, there's a lot of music to be found there. All of almost all of my favorite bands and favorite albums of all time are Tooth and Nail or Solid State releases. I was I was gonna say I was gonna try to bring up Solid State or even, sorry I'm pouring a beer or even Face Down. Absolutely, like going to Cornerstone and shit. Ooh, I'm gonna get to talk about Cornerstone here in a minute. Um, I just want to give you a quick shout. You know what album I just picked because I was like, oh, I've heard of like I I heard this was gonna be good when it came out. Was the Sales and Bug record? Sure. Oh, that's a great fucking record. And then it's like one of my favorite albums ever. And you're with me on that, where they're like, "Yeah, that's the good one," you know. But um, uh, I just wanted to ask you that because it's just it's fucking just us, dude. Like- <laughs> yeah, right. But it's one of those things where the experience of like going through the aisle of these staggered records. Oh yeah. Sometimes you're looking through catalogs, or you're looking through these shelves, or you know whatever it is, and there was no like like you could get MP3s, but nobody had an MP3 player. Nope. So it was like you bought CD. It's a CD player. It plays CDs. You know? <laughs> so I just I appreciate like your, that some of those stories because that was always a good you know part of my life, and I used to try to get that feeling back going to like used places and buying like shuffling through CDs and stuff. And so I just really appreciate that. Oh. Also, just real quick, jump back to like ninety seven to ninety nine when new, when new metal was huge. I was fucking there, dude. I fucked with it. Did you have huge pants? Yeah, dude. I had Jinkos. Um, you know, because I was, I still listened to punk rock when I was in. Everybody had Jinkos though. Everybody but, had like, huge pants. Um, new metal was huge, and I heard it. And I was like, dude, yeah, this is tight. Fucking like corn and like P Roach, um, uh, Went Biscuit. I when I was like sixth grade, I fucked with that. And like three eleven, I was huge into three eleven back like then too. P O D saliva, like all that shit was huge. POD and Saliva and, like, Puddle of Mud in that era, that was, like, post me being into new Metal. Right, but, like, 99, when that stuff was still, that stuff was still coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, that POD record from 99 with, like, Southtown. Steve and I had that on the car the other day. I'm like, dude, like, this was huge. I remember in about 2000, um, 2000 was probably the time when I'm, like, deep into middle school... I've been into new metal. I've been into punk rock, and I remember like that. You're like, what? What year? What was I going into? Seventh grade that year in two thousand. Was going into seventh grade, maybe. Yeah, one of them. And I remember that was right when Chocolate Starfish came out. Oh boy! And I bought it, and I'm like, you know what? I don't like this. I don't know if we brought it up on that episode, but. Mill and I were just talking about it the other day. Like, man, that artwork sucks. Oh, yeah, but but like, dude, for what it is, dude, it's so sick. Oh, I I think it's a I fucking found... shitty Lip biscuit record. It looks like ass, and it's posed too, dude. It rules. I think I think I found the worst album art of all time. That's like on like a major label record. What is that? It's worse than Creed. The fucking first big Sugar Ray album. It looks like. The, like where they're all five dudes are on it. It's like looks like a slot machine or whatever. Yeah, and it's like no, it's like there's like chrome like right. It, I'll send it to you. It's brutal. It won't fly on it. I had that CD when that I was a kid. That artwork is bad. Yeah, that's true. Shout out Mark McGrath. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it looks like a bootleg T-shirt. Um, 
when you like got out of uh, like new metal though, yeah, like get, getting that getting that record, getting Chocolate Starfish is kind of what was like the final nail in the new metal casket, I guess. Oh, and I, I hear it, and ask... I'm like, you know what? I I'm going really punk rock only from here on. But I was gonna ask, like, did did you also kind of find yourself more into like, because there's like these bands like Zayo and Poison the Well and all that shit. Like, well, there was a a window between new metal and hardcore there was like about a, like a year window where it was like punk rock and emo only okay and then you're like well you get to the heavy stuff it's like okay well this is stuff that's okay just not the limp biscuit and yeah okay that makes sense i just wanted to ask because i'm putting the timeline together in my head yeah so like 2000 new metal new metal was gone and i just went punk rock that route and i'm listening to like between 2000 and 2000 probably two um just listening to may <laughs> I mean, it wasn't until like 2004, 2005. No, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, um, do you want to give a song for that real quick before you move on? Between For 2000 to 2002? Yeah, like something like that. You Vandal by Saves the Day. Fucking amazing riff and song. Yeah. That's like a that's like a riff I would write in Stolaway. Dude, yeah, dude. Saves the Day or where like, you move the, is you a mo- fucking hardcore band, dude. Where like, you move <laughs> the pink, like you move your pinky around and it just it's the same chord. That's Denver, like the shit I do. Dude, that that riff's hard as fuck to play, too. It's a good fucking riff. All right. Um. Sorry. Continue. My bad. Um. Saves the day and Thursday were my introduction to emo. Really. Like. Um. Other than like seeing Sunny Day on like MTV on like 120 minutes and shit. Um. And like maybe going to a show. Like uh, going to see Newfound Glory and like the Juliana Theory or something is opening up. Sure. Well, Sunny or, Day or, like too was Mercedes or something like that. Sunny Day was really kind of coming off of that late 80s sound. Yeah, like it was very grungy, but it was it was in like the like vast media when I was a kid. Like it was really no, no, easy no. to come across. It was wild. Yeah, I just meant like because like the the emo core like Washington D.C. stuff from the sure. like the eighties. They kind of had like a root in that, but then did some of the soft stuff and the grungy stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's definitely different from like Saves the Day or Thursday. Sure. Thursday. I also I I guess I really didn't touch a ton on when. When Enema was out, I didn't really talk a ton about that. You can go back to that, um, like, because that. You I do want to. I want to touch that, and then, uh, then I want to start talking about when I started playing guitar with my friend. Um, for sure. Enema came out, like I saw, because I I had gotten Dude Ranch from the library because I saw Damn It on TV and shit, and like I already knew who Blink was. But uh, Enema came out. I saw the What's My Age Again video, and I was like, no shit. And I just remember hearing that riff, that chorus riff, that bah, 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 like the chorus riff to that song, just going like, oh my fucking God, no way. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's the best band ever, so yeah. I bought the album, and I remember after we bought the album, like we went out for pizza at uh, this Pascal's maybe, this pizza place on 41 in St. John. I'm sitting in this booth eating pizza, and I got this fucking booklet of all these dudes just wearing boxers spread out across this table, like 11 years old. Like, dude, sick. <laughs> so good. I have it sitting over here. I will remember that pizza trip forever. It's funny you say that. I found this picture of me and my cousin Kim, who I talked about on my episode. Sure, yeah. And Steve and my other cousin Katie, who's Kim's sister. And we're all in this booth at like a pizza place. And it was in Canada. We went up for a, a, wed- a family wedding. And me and her were um, listening to fucking uh, the live album, like, that whole trip. Because it had just come out. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was like late two. This is like fall of two thousand, and maybe it was even Enema we were listening to. It was her CD, and I just remember us just being like fucking like this is the best thing. So I'm just like wondering, like, was that your re- like? Because you already knew Blink. It's like yeah. different from me. But like when you heard that stuff. But when I heard like, that, like as a kid, you don't understand why it sounds better. But it's just like it had a budget. It was like a a good, clean sounding record. And when you're a kid, you hear it and you're like, oh, this Definitely. sounds way, they'd sound way better. I mean, it had, you had to be floored. Blown away. Cause I'm like, this does not sound like, what, what makes this so much better? This sounds, this is so much better to listen to. I mean, Tom's voice even sounds stronger for all the doubles and stuff. You, the record, the guitar sounds on that record. I said guitar is so weird just then. Fuck that. I almost kind of want to edit that because I was mad embarrassing. Um, Hearing the guitars in the choruses of that record, just these giant, wide open, big punk rock chords fast over these like lullaby sounding melodies. As a child, you're like, this is super easy to listen to. I love this. It sounds great. Those the those two guitar amps he uses on that record, like the eight hundred on the one side and the dual dual rec on the other side. I, I I don't think those are on the record. No, but you know what I'm talking like what do they actually do on the record? Um, I have to look at the notes I've dug up, but there's like a lot of class A, class B stuff, some Vox, some a uh, fifty-one fifty. Like Jerry Finn was like apparently putting amps in a room and then using different mics and just blending them in the room because he said he didn't want to blend them later. He wanted Tom to play to a, the sound he was hearing and it'd be good. So I think he just EQ'd the shit out of them. Is that the live record tone? No, Enema. No, like, but the the eight hundred and the dual oh, record. On the live one? Is that the live record tone? Uh, yeah, but he didn't split them like that. Like he he's fucking Tom's weird. He used, I think he blended them on both sides. Like I don't think it was panned. It was both amps on both sides. Yeah, that's asinine. Because <laughs> the the JCM was on the clean channel. Mm-hmm. This is just from the notes. I'm not, I clearly wasn't there. Um, and then the Mesa was on, because that was the two-channel wreck. Mm. It was on the Dirty, and then he just maxed out the gains. And I'm like, with the one pick. I mean, it is fucking ridiculous. Seeing Blink for the first time wasn't as powerful as seeing Blink for the second time. Well, you saw them at Warped Tour the first time, right? Yeah. See, Warped Tour, to me, outdoors, and hit or miss. It if- was cool. It was cool to, like, Enema, what what day did Enema come out? Was Enema even out? Yet or was it like uh, about to come out June June first. So Ed, Enema had come out like two weeks before. I think it's June first, ninety nine. I could be wrong. And uh, they were like, I mean, obviously they were big. They weren't that fucking big yet. They were really big, but they weren't nearly fucking Blink One Eight Two yet. Yeah, I mean, they were about to take off, but all the small things singled and dropped. Yeah, June first, ninety nine. Um, although all the small things single didn't drop and that was the video that really fucking, you know, got the yeah, mainstream. Cause yeah, you, absolutely. you and I talk about this all the time. It's like, it's great. We've heard it a billion times, but like, that's the song that people know so, if they don't care. Yeah, like small things era video blank, like that point in their career. That's when I saw them the second time. Mm. Um, so seeing them then was way bigger of a deal than seeing them the first time I saw them. Damn, I wish I could have been there. Um, and I had I had my guitar, 
pretty recently. Like I had just gotten my guitar. That Blink show and Warp tour were probably my second. But my, my that Blink show and my second Warp tour were a couple weeks apart. And my second Warp tour was the first time I saw MXPX. Yeah, because that's two thousand Warp tour was obviously Blink wasn't on that, but uh, it would have been kind of in that same lineage because that was both Tinley Park and. Do you know who was on Warp Tour in 2000? Uh, I mean, probably a bunch Fucking of Fucking Green Day. They just put Warning out. Did they do the... Oh, yeah. That was like basically what Blink did when they did the, the quick 2001. Well, yeah. no. Blink basically doing 99 was kind of like... They didn't have to do that. But Kevin Lyman... It was basically like, hey, man. Thanks for putting us on when we were nothing. Um, we'll, we'll do this for you so you make a billion dollars. And he did, and that's the sickest thing, and that's fucking punk rock as hell. Even though, like, if I could only go back in time to see Blink once, I would want to see them in 98 with Travis, but before Enema came out. That's like an era I really would have liked to have seen them. Yeah. Or or earlier. That warp Tour was so sick, because, like, fucking Eminem was on that. <laughs> that would be cool. I remember, all. I had the... Fuck, there's so many things I haven't... I need to stop calling back to... I had it's okay, man. a it's copy of the Slim Shady LP on my desk in fifth grade. And my teacher walked by and saw it, and she's like, I know what that is. And she they took it away, and I didn't get it back till the end of the year. Oh, that's whack. Yeah. But also, at the same time, a fifth grader having it on her desk should not have had that on her desk. That shit was fucking abrasive as hell. I did not need to hear some guy talk about that shit then. I think I got... A ludicrous CD <clears throat> taken away from me, but I think they gave it back to me at the end of the week or something. Oh, nice. Because I think, like, I told my Ooh. my mom probably bitched at him. <laughs> um, I used to have to take the the price tag on CDs at like Borders, yeah, and, and put, put it, it over the... and put it over the parental advisory label so my mom would buy it for me. I used she to, didn't like... know she didn't know I did that until I was like probably 25 and i told her and she's like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> i i did that a couple of times but what i did was i put my, my thumb mom rules oh no she wouldn't want to look and like read the track listing and shit like she wouldn't buy me the prodigy album when i was like nine because it smacked my bitch up was on it and i wanted it and she's like that song's called that you can't have this yeah i mean it's got to be a rough decision when you're a parent yeah because it's like you don't want like to not what your kids enjoy music but at the same time it's like if you are a shithead and you go to school and you know say something like that you shouldn't be saying because you learned it from that then that's on them yeah so i kind of that's why my my i think that's probably why my mom was always like um just don't like repeat this to anybody true and i was like okay and then i would fucking go to school and be like shit piss fuck you know (laughs) and then like um in about 2000 and like the the late late 90s like 98 99 um rap music on MTV was so sick everything oh, yeah. on it was good all the time and it was like constant like it was either like punk and metal and pop or it was like rap music videos for like a whole show and everything was good and i loved it. All of it, all the time. Well, I'm going to call back to the hip-hop later because I want to get into that, but I wanted to um, start with you playing in bands. Yeah, yeah. So I get this guitar, doing this kid skateboarding in my basement, get back on track from like 20 minutes ago. 
Um, it's all good. Skateboarding in my basement. Does the kickflip to the no effect song. I have a guitar. And he's like, hey, man. Is that hard to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I have had this for a week. I don't know how to use it. Fuck it. You get one, too. And then we'll both figure this out. And he bought, like, the Squire bass pack. His parents got it for him for Christmas. So we both had, like, a shitty Squire bass and a, like, rogue Strat sitting in his room, not knowing what to do. Um, His older brother came in there. And he's like, hey, you guys suck at this. And we're like, yeah, dude, fuck you. Like, we're kids, whatever. He's like, come with me. I'm like, okay. And then that guy took both of us, me, me and my friend, to a guitar shop in Lowell and bought both of us like a bunch of guitar lessons for a couple months. He's like, just do this and get good at this. Holy shit. And I was like, oh, all right. That's so I just, awesome. I'd go to this kid's house and then his brother would take us to guitar lessons. And uh, he got way better at bass, way faster than I got good at guitar. And it kind of bummed me out. Well, um, it, it, it is hard to get good at guitar compared to get, getting good at bass quicker when you're learning the instrument. He got good at bass fast as fuck like really good and like it was he's playing like green day riffs like long view like the minority riff like tricky riffs like did nothing in like two months does he play with chris now still you said this guy no this is a completely different guy. different guy this oh this is, is completely not different no, no. Guy. sorry this is this, the, the guy the, i'm talking about now the, is the guy is the, who the religious guy this is the religious guy not who, the guy from warped tour sorry correct we, we also i've been to warped tour with this guy like 10 times um, no 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 i just i got this is stuff. the guy that was um Skating in the He was in the game. assignment. He was in Cutaway Blue. This is this guy. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, we eventually get kind of okay at this. Like, playing guitar. We can play a couple songs. We learn a hundred Green Day covers. Um, we <laughs> learn a couple Alistair covers. Uh, Alkaline Trio. Um, I think we did an H2O cover. Like, we would play just, like, shitty punk covers. And we would write songs, too. So we were at church camp um, for like a week, uh, five days or whatever you do like as a kid in high school. Um, chilling. Like we're there. BBS? No, it's, just, it's like a retreat with like cabins and a lake. And, oh, oh, you actually like went to camp. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, so we do that. There's this kid there and he's wearing an International Super Hits t-shirt and he's tall as fuck and skinny. And I'm like... You're weird, but also I recognize you. I've seen you at my high school. I just thought he was this weird goth kid. He's wearing this Green Day shirt, and he's at the same church camp as me. I'm like, okay, you're from my high school, and you you're you obviously like music, and you're at church camp. Like, what's up, dude? So I become friends with that guy. He this guy, his dad had a drum set. He's been around drums his whole life, but he wasn't a drummer. And I'm like, mm. you're about to be a motherfucking drummer. Like, you're gonna we're gonna go to your house. And we're gonna fucking play. And you're gonna play drums. It's we're like gonna figure shit this in the shit movie. out. It's just like shit in a movie. Um, like, legitimately, like, I saw a kid at church camp with a Green Day shirt, and he's like, I have drums. I'm like, cool, dude, let's go. And then... Uh, That's awesome. Um, we... Blah, blah, blah. Where am I? It's I'm interesting that you... Drunk. I just want to say, it's interesting that you jammed with somebody. First of all, you kind of learned to play with each other, and then you jammed with a bass player first. Me, me with a guitar and a bass player first. I, and, I, and this is only like this whole period, like my first guitar, to me jamming with this bass player and like reading this drummer. That window is probably only like eight months, maybe. It's not very long. No, for sure. But I just mean like it's interesting because like for me, in my experience, I just played with like drummers. Oh, sure. 
So like mm-hmm. I like learned to play with other guitar players and stuff later on, and that's probably why I got better over time. But sure. like, um, it's just it's just interesting. It's cool to think about like you kind of putting that puzzle together in your head mm-hmm. of because pl- learning how to play with people is is definitely its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. True. When you're especially when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um. Sorry. Anyway, so you meet uh, the so tall me and drummer. that ba- me and the bass player guy. Uh, start hanging out with this tall drummer guy every day. Every single day. We showed that, like, obviously he likes uh, Green Day. He, like, he had just went to Pop Disaster Tour and saw Green Day and Blink, so he's, like, super into Saves the Day right now because he just heard of them. Um, We show him MXPX, um, and I show him, like, Rufio and Alistair and all this other stuff. And he's like, dude, yeah, cool. So we start writing songs. We record our first EP of songs we wrote um, in, I want to say like september or october of 2001 oh shit so you uh no you 2002 2002 but still that's pretty yeah we were like 14 pretty early and well i guess that's about the age i was too but it still like doesn't seem yeah, like we just that like long. found this guy uh this guy what was the name of your band my very first band yeah the truth project that's sick no, dude, we were 14, and there was, like, some fucking whack-ass, like, Christian that's, punk rock kid that's crap. Fox, that's Fox Mulder as hell. Bet, you're right, it's true. So there's a coffee shop in Dyer. Wait, who, yeah, I was saying, who'd you record with? Oh, this guy, um, his name's Mike. Um, his parents went to Caleb, Caleb's the guy, the bass player guy. They went to his dad's church. Um, and it's like, hey, like, you kids are in this punk rock band, because we used to practice in the basement of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, like our son's got a recording studio in our basement, and like we're like fucking thirteen, fourteen, and we're like, okay, whatever you want, let's do that. So we go and record with this like grungy, like folk punk dude who like has like this sick ass Pro Tools setup in a basement. Like, and it's the first time I've ever seen anything like this in my life. Like, oh, four, it's fucking and it's like, wild, right? And he had like a big wooden isolated drum room that he built, like in this basement. I'm like, oh, holy shit! And he like had a bag of American Spirit tobacco, like hand rolled his own cigarettes. He like had like a buzz cut. It's like this hard ass like folk punk dude. I'm like, oh my like, god! They wear Doc Martens. Yeah, and like, and, like we're we're our thirteen, fourteen year old kids, right? Like recording these shitty fucking. Christian poppy punk songs, and he's like, probably like listening to Phoenix and riding a fixed gear bicycle or whatever. And he's like, "No, this was like twenty years before that, though." But you know what I mean, like yeah. that kind of that's but the like, vibe. And that me. guy is like, I'm thinking, even at the time, he had like a huge "Boys Don't Cry" Cure poster in his studio. It was super cool. Sick. And I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this guy's probably gonna make fun of us. <laughs> but like, he, whatever. Like fuck this, it. I feel like though that is like such a common feeling when you go to record with somebody dude yeah because this guy was cool and like i just hear these songs like, oh man this guy thinks this shit is lame but <laughs> but if he was was he making money uh he agreed to do it for a case of dr pepper and 75 dollars <laughs> all right but 75 dollars is probably a lot for him i and, swear to um, god like <laughs> the thing is like i remember that's like those are the kind of prices you pay when you're a, a teenager Mm-hmm. Like before, you're an older teenager and go to studio or whatever, and like I felt like you, I felt like that about with a handful of different people. Like they were into a different kind of music. They probably thought we were lame. Like, 
mm-hmm. and you got to perform in front of them. Yeah. So like that's a very like uh, that's kind of hard for you guys. Yeah, true. But um, but we were we did the songs enough because like when you're that young. Well, this kind of applies a little bit more down the road. Um, when you're a kid and you're playing in your first band, like you get to play together a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like you get pretty good doing that over and over. That's what practice is. Like, it's what it's for. And when you're a kid, your band gets to practice all the time. So like you were good. Yeah, because you don't have to go to work. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you go to high school, you go play with your band in the basement, you go back to high school, and that's that's your life. Yeah. You got to be in your band constantly, and everyone's band was good. It was fucking awesome. For sure. So you, how many songs do you guys do? Our first EP, we did five songs. Okay, that's pretty good. I still remember how to play all of them. I kind of have been fucking around with the idea of like doing them here, like just redoing them all Why just not? for fun. Because I still re- I remember everything about him. Like, it's kind of nuts. Like, I still get together with Caleb, like, once a year because he lives in Baltimore now. Mm. Like, he'll come into town. I'll go to his parents' house and, like, we'll hang out. And um, we'll, bre- like, break out, like, an acoustic guitar and play through all these old songs still because I still fu- it's I still remember him. It's well, nuts. That, well, that's really cool, though. And I think, like, it, it shows, like, because, I, I mean, there's definitely old songs that I have that I remember. True. But, like, I won't remember how to play certain stolaway songs because i haven't played them more than a couple times because of recordings yeah and i think it shows your level of not just dedication but you also i'm i mean i can't speak for you you can kind of answer the question for me but like i would assume it's also to you have this kind of like uh admiration for that point in your life absolutely because like even my first band recording our first dp 14 whatever that same band a year later, like, still played shows at this coffee shop here and there and played, like, a Legion Hall whenever. Um, yeah. Recorded the second EP, same band, same lineup. Like, that's pretty cool of that young. Did you sing on all of it, too? Not yet. No, fuck no. I didn't say. I just I just played guitar on this. The bass player sang? The bass player sang everything. Okay, I was just curious, like, what the lineup. So it was a three-piece. That's pretty sick. So we changed our name to Moving Tuesday. Because we were all into, like, 2002 emo. I thought you said Ruby Tuesday, and I was like, shout out the salad bar. <laughs> Sorry. So we changed our name to that. Moving Tuesday? Moving Tuesday. Okay, that's, like, very emo. Very emo. That's cool, um, though. We're playing these shows. Um, we re- record our second EP. Our second EP sounds straight up, like, Alkaline Trio, like, Infirmary area, like, era, like, Dark minor chord, sad yeah, song. Just like Matt Skibo doing his thing. It just sounds like Alkaline Trio, like classic. Era. I remember the guy. We recorded our second EP with the same guy, and he got a bunch of new stuff. And he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna come by your practice space and like listen to your songs." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, cool." So he comes by and listens. He's like, "Oh, this is like darker pop punk. It's kind of like like Alkaline Trio because he remembered them from like Asian Man, like early Alkaline Trio, because he was yeah. like you know like 20 at the time or whatever." Um. I know I heard that and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's perfect. I was so psyched that hearing something I wrote be compared to a band that I loved was I mean, really cool. It, it and is. those songs, the second EP of songs, fucking really good, well-written songs. Like, I look back on them, I'm like, I cannot believe we wrote that shit when we were fucking like 15 because I would write that same song fucking now. That probably just says a lot about me as a musician now that I just play like a child. Hmm. Didn't think no, about it that I think, way. <laughs> no, I think I think it shows like 
when you're really um, passionate about something like that, you you kind of get it down to a science, and exactly. it's a lot of like song structure and transitions, and and, and, and well, getting well written punk rock down to a science ain't that hard. There ain't much to it. I mean, yeah, but that's fair. But to 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 be fair though, you are also gonna hold yourself to a certain expectation. So you don't want to feel like you're playing ripoffs of stuff. So you're just like, hey, I want oh, this true. to sound like my favorite band, but not be a ripoff of them. True. So that's you, just something that you accept when you're like down the road. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it's all cyclical, and people take. I, I fucking rip shit off all the time. I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I mean, you do, but you're gonna make it your own because you can never be somebody else. That's yeah, fair. And nobody else can ever be you. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, sure. It's it's hard, it's weird to explain, but I've always thought like. Like I could tell the difference when I've seen I've seen Blink with Matt and with Tom, and I can tell the difference between their playing. Sure. That also says a lot about like people like us who care about how Tom plays a riff. We have no life. This is gonna <laughs> suck because we took our break not that long ago, but I really gotta pee again. That's all right. Let's take a quick breather. All right, word. I'll be back quick. Okay, we all peed. I haven't said it yet. I didn't pee, actually. I just got chips and a beer. I didn't pee on the first brick, and that's why I had to take the second one. I didn't pee on the first one because like, I go out of my room, and I go into the living room, and Ashley and Greg have the love seat and the couch pulled together, and they're playing a card game and watching 70s Prices Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rare. <laughs> it's tight. Like that's Shout, shit. shout out. Shout they out love Greg. both of those things. Shout out, Greg. Shout out, Ashley. Shout out, y'all. You can't hear me. Friends, you can of, hear friends me. of the... Friends of the pod. <laughs> TM. So, where are we? 2002 second EP. Um, 2002 second EP. Um, me and the drummer go to Cornerstone. Oh, shit. For the first time. Wow. We discover Me Without You, um, Further Seems Forever, Under Oath, um... Beloved, Zayo, um, Living Sacrifice, f- f- all these fucking old bands. And then we come back from that and we're like, we have to be heavy now. We cannot play this like Alistair sounding shit. We got to be fucking heavy. Uh, the bass player guy's like, I don't want to do that. So that sucked. So then we weren't a band for like probably six months, like a small window. And during that window, I meet this guy at my high school who's wearing a starting line shirt. He was a year younger than me. And I'm like, starting line shirt? Who the fuck are you, kid? Um, we talk. He plays guitar. Just got into guitar. Loves the starting line. Loves Newfound Glory, Hidden in Plain View, Alistair. Every drive through band loves all of them. We start playing guitar. He likes pop punk too. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. Like my last band broke up. I'm just going to start another pop punk band with this guy. And then the bass player is like, well, why? Why? Like we stopped doing the last one because you wanted to be heavy. We're going to play pop punk with this guy. So then he starts playing with us too. So it's, okay, so he's got four. it's, it's back to me, the, like me and the bass player and, the, and a new guitar player still playing pop punk, but us never having the ability to write with two guitar players before. Oh, so that makes things a little bit, like, fuller. So we made it sound super, super sick. And then the the original drummer from the first pop-punk bands, who I'm like, let's be heavy with, um, still wanted to be heavy. He's like, I still don't want to do that. 
And then he came and listened to us once with two guitar players. He's like, oh, shit, this is fucking cool. So then it was it was all of us again, but just with a new guy. So, that, I mean, that, that makes sense. I think um, it's interesting how, well, two things. Number one, it's interesting how impressionable you are at that age when you see a new style of band. And you're like, oh, I have to do this. Oh, yeah. Because um, I think we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing is really interesting is how wearing a band shirt can really mm. open up a lot of opportunities. If somebody sees you, you're like, like that's like you would never just go up to this dude and be like, hey, do you like fucking cool music? But you, oh, you like the starting line. You definitely like cool music. Um, and then you find out they play guitar and stuff. It's a really interesting point, and I think I don't know if shit's still like that. I'd assume it is, but shit's not like that at all. I think like when I was, I mean, we're not in high school though, so like you know. Yeah, true, but, like, there's no way people do that at all anymore, like, high school kids, well, no I'm, way. I'm just saying, like, you still see, like, I mean, granted, Warp Tour's been done for a few years, but when I was at Warp Tour Riot Fest, you still see, like, younger kids go. Sure. So you'd assume, like, if some kid likes, like, I'm trying to think, like, Knocked Loose, and then they were a Knocked Loose because it's, like, a more relevant, current, heavy band that's, like, sure. newer, that's real big, and then some kid might be like, oh, you like Knocked Loose? That's sick. I play guitar. Oh, you like counterparts or whatever. So I just that th- that that probably does happen. Yeah, you're right. But I think we take it for granted. But at the time, it's like that's a big deal because you are able to, and and this kind of going back to your story that you can go forward. It's like oh, you were able to bring another guitar player, and that's huge. Right. So we're the four of us. We write like a couple of like darker pop punk, not pop, not darker necessarily, but we had four guitar players. It was a little heavier, a little fuller. It was more like you're moving more air. Take this to your grave. It just come out. Um, oh, so like you're uh, like gl- glass eater. Um, yeah, spittle, a, Spittlefield first good, record. It is a good era because it's that emo blend with the pop mm-hmm. punk. So that's real big. So we run a couple of those and they're cool. They have some halftime parts and stuff. Whatever. I should have um, been in this band. And then uh, the pop punk kid, the the younger kid who, jo- like the new kid who joined. Discover yeah. discovers like dead poetic and uh shit like um er, really early senses fail really early under oath yeah it's kind of that darker like or like from autumn to ashes and shit <laughs> and it's like I want to do like screamy stuff this was that's what he said I want to do more screamy stuff and me and the the drummer were like yo all right cool but the bass player still wasn't into it so we met in the middle. And we're still poppy and punky, but like we had like crazy loud. Most of our songs were in a, a minor key, um, but it was a lot of melodic stuff, a lot of weird like tempo and timing changes, and like false Norma Jean screamy chords, but like poppy choruses and shit. So you guys, that's, are, you, you guys know, are that's interesting though. Yeah, that's literally exactly it. Like. <laughs> But we, that's really... It's, we sounded like fucking armor for sleep. But, well, that's... that's um, yeah, that's, Again, that's remember cool. how I just I just said I should have been in that band? I literally should have been in that band. Oh, no, but that, that was my first band that played, like, shows all the time. Like, shows every weekend. Um, had, with my first band that had merch. Um, that This is a big band. That was a big band for me. For sure. I think um, it's really interesting, too. Sorry, I ate a trip. Um... Because you're saying, okay, we have to meet in the middle. First of all, learning how to compromise with people is hard in a band. That's something you have to always Oh, do. no, we fought constantly still about stuff because I'm a huge baby. 
But, I'm, but, I am very difficult to be in a band with. Ask anyone I'm in a band with. But Well, fair, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that's just part of being in a band with other people. Yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting because learning to work around those things, like in the, like you said, we're, we're still doing the minor key stuff and this dark stuff here. You're crafting your musicianship and writing as a as a individuals and as a group, and that's actually probably really good for you guys. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So maybe in retrospect, that would have been maybe something that you didn't think you were going to get out of that. Yeah. But now it's like you're more versatile. Yeah. That's really cool. So we we uh, record a couple songs, play a couple shows, start playing a lot of shows. Um, at this point, the Northwest Indiana music scene was like. Um, like Antifi Parish had just started. Uh, Amber was around. Jersey, what year is this? Uh, two thousand four. Um, Jersey Wednesday. Yet so far, like um, Jeremy Williams, Asteria was just starting about this time. Yeah, Asteria like, started in '04, and Jeremy Williams was probably the, the, the he was the dude. And there was just there were shows every weekend. Um, I missed that at this coffee shop or that gym or this Legion Hall or that other coffee shop or this weird hookah bar. There was a show every fucking weekend, and there was an insane amount of kids at every show. So at this point, yeah, it's 2003, 2004. Everyone's listening to Under Oath. Everyone's listening to um, Census Fail. Like Three Cheers is about to come out. Hawthorne Heights is out. We're all wearing tiny fucking t-shirts and white belts and looking like assholes listening to Norma Jean. Like, but there was a show every couple days like there was a show constantly sometimes you play two fucking shows a weekend you know and i i miss those times because i remember before i started playing shows like being kid going to every show yeah and then when i played it was like if i didn't play i was going yeah so maybe it maybe this one day the like oh we don't have a show this weekend or this friday we play saturday i'll go Mm -hmm. and i mean when you're in high school too it's just it's like cool because you're with a bunch of kids and you're not with any adults and you're just doing your thing and the watching the bands is fun and um i i can't like express how much fun that was but like that had to be the best for you guys at the time it will remember my sophomore year of high school we got our first batch of merch ever that we were ever gonna have done in our life and we got Two but like two one inch buttons because you like well you wore them on your pants and damn <laughs> I told Steve I'm like Larry is gonna drill me for wearing this shirt anyways sorry the, like um without saying anything at all Mill shirt is the fucking star of the show right now honest to God like <laughs> when we do video you guys will know but dude it's you guys don't know but we fucking know and it is some shit anyway um especially for you. <laughs> So, I, I was like, well, do you remember? Do you remember like your band's first merch? A very, 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 very well. Our first, we got two one-inch buttons because you put them on like, your hoodie or your pants, your, your fucking mm. zip-up hoodie because everyone wore a zip-up hoodie back then. I used to put them on my backpack on the shoulder thing. Oh, absolutely. Out so of seven, eight, nine, one. Shit, we I got still, two yeah, one-inch. Two one-inch buttons. One was uh, black and orange and a little bit of mountains, and it said the assignment on it. One was just a white button with a red big. Mm. Like, so did you change your name again? Yeah, well, yeah. This is we got a. Uh, we were the assignment even as a four piece the whole time, no matter what. 
Okay, that's why I want to ask. Okay, four piece. The start of the four piece was when we were the assignment. Um, those songs are all on Bandcamp. I should link them to this. Cool. <laughs> um, so where my first merch? Okay, that's where I am. Uh, the two buttons, the orange one with the mountain. One was a white circle, which is a red medic sign, straight thrice jock. It says. Uh, the assignment in Century Gothic looks really fucking clean. I look at it now and I was like, yo, fucking shout out 16-year-old me for doing a rip and making it look fucking clean. <laughs> was that was that kind of your first foray into design then? Uh-huh, 100%. So, okay, Th- yeah, That exact button, because I remember seeing that, I'm like, oh, that looks like thrice and that was easy. So this is a really great, um, kind of just great like side note, because we do want to talk about design when we get there. Uh, what did you design that on? MS Paint. Fucking awesome! Holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> and you know, obviously, we'll get to it um, when when I'm in the hot seat. But my first foray into like actually doing shit was for my own band too. And I never knew that that was kind of your introduction. So now we have that parallel. Absolutely. Same, you know, I I told Steve. Real quick, because you'll appreciate this. I wanted to do a new mistake shirt where they're all the different um, word art Microsoft fonts. That one that's like light blue and tan, and that's supposed yeah. to be chrome. Yeah. <laughs> or, the one that's like... or like, or like, one's just straight rainbow. One's like a sunset, and they're like arched and like they have drop shadows. That's gonna random, be the that's gonna be the art for this episode. In, in, in random <laughs> parabola, in random parabolic shapes. But do you remember being a kid and you get on Microsoft Word and go to Word Art like this is sick. I remember taking a, a a keyboarding class or some shit in like seventh grade. Oh. We just learned how to type. And uh, we had to do one thing in kid pics. And I remember like opening the brushes and seeing the shapes. And I'm like, oh, sick. I found kid pics, uh, the, the disc for Microsoft Windows from the 90s. I found it in my basement with a bunch of my CDs that were like not in cases. Um, Shout the fuck out, kid pics. Shout the fuck out, kid pics, because that legit, kid pics was my first introduction to design. Because I remember seeing it and like clicking and being like, oh. Doing oh, this is cool. Larry's gonna do all the all the merch for his new band. It's gonna be all done on kid pics. Yes, it is. And so are the <laughs> menus for Franklin House. Eric's <laughs> going. What the fuck is this? Well, the only thing I wanted to ask. So, post you going to your first Cornerstone to two thousand four. You want to throw a song on the soundtrack? Ooh, ooh. Um, hmm. Slice Paper Wrist by Poison the Well. Fuck yeah. Finally, Center Stone. <laughs> um, those years, like, after going to Cornerstone and, like, getting into hardcore and then seeing that, like, some pop punk bands I like play with hardcore bands. And, like, getting to see, like, a band like Glass Eater or something play with, like, 7A, 7P somewhere. Isn't that, a, like, a eye-opener? Yes. Because I think when you're a kid, and, again, not trying to cut you off, but, like... It's okay. It, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, well, we can't do this, we're doing that. And then, fucking people are so stubborn. Absolutely. And, then like, I remember, like, being in, a um, like, an aggressive pop-punk band... We'd play with like deathcore bands because that's what the scene was at the time, and there would be some people who would like 
leave when we started playing and they would come back because we were the one pop punk band all heavy and and i wasn't like mad but i was like well you're not like heavy and it's just like dude like you can do both like newfound glory taught me that and and we did the inverse of stole our most fun yeah and then now we're the only fucking screamy band yeah um this is a cool thing actually i should have mentioned this before uh it was 2001 um I had just gone to church with the Christian kids family after hanging out with them for like a year for the first time, probably like a month prior to this. And I go to the Christian bookstore with him the first time. And I go over to the CDs and I see an MXPX CD and I'm like, what's this doing here? And I look at it and I'm like, oh, MXPX is a Christian band, I guess. Like I would like, had no idea. And I had been listening to him for a couple years prior to that. It's like a super weird, like, it's so weird. Like, you can just, like, I guess, announce yourself, like, we're a Christian man, and, like, maybe you don't swear and have suggestive lyrics, and that's, like, all you need to do. Sure. I guess. I don't know. But then there's other bands who are, like, actually singing about, like, Christ or the gospel or whatever. Yeah, like, worship bands and shit. Yeah, like, that's a better word for it. Worship. Like, every other band that uses a helix besides us. And then, um... Dude, but those guys fucking the best patches you ever heard. Okay, I, I'm just gonna go on record, like saying real quick, like I got know, a bunch of worship patches on Helix, and they're all amazing. I just want to say this real quick. I'm I'm a I'm a man of faith, but I've never done any type of religious band. But it's really fucking funny because I go on Helix, and it's all these like worship patches. But then I was downloading, I was buying drum sets from Easy Drummer or from uh, Tune Track, and they're like advertising new gospel set. And I'm like, what are you guys trying to make me do like a worship band? Like, I remember when my first band was uh, like the the my very first band, like um, so I guess this is what 2002, maybe 2001. We were at school. There was one other band at school that was in our grade. And, like, for whatever the fuck reason, because it was just the two of us and no other bands at all, we hated each other. Because, like, oh, you're the other band? Fuck you guys. Like, we just didn't get along. That's weird. It's crazy. Because, like, I feel like uh, most of the time you you become homies with people. It's like, like all, all the band kids kind of no. stick together. But, but at and that that is, like actually true because that's what happens but at the time when it's like a, a school of however many thousand kids there's no bands at all except you and one other band and you're like the the first bands that you've ever heard of ever in your life um it's super strange because there's no sense of like community or anything it's like oh you're the other band shit what do we do we didn't know there was another one it's like wait you can't play in a band because i play in a band it's just like that. See, I used to like seek out people and be like, even if we're doing different bands, like have some kind of sense of community because right. like, you, because like when you're, but there really, there wasn't a community yet at that point because like no one else had done it. That's fair. I went to a much bigger high school. I should note. Sure. Yeah. My, my high school was and, substantially smaller. And what's weird about that is like, you know, from, from just to clarify before I go into like, I also played sports up into it till I got hurt until a certain point, but I'm not like a jock. So it's sure. like I was friends with people who played sports, but most of them don't know a damn thing about music. True. So it's just like, well, I guess what I'm saying is like, you kind of want to have friends that you can bond over like punk rock with and stuff. Because once yes. you find them, you're like, this is my, this is my group. Yeah, absolutely. You know what Absolutely. I mean? 
Like it's it's like but a, really a, for the the first couple of years of being in my bands at my school, there wasn't many. It was just us. Um, well, just to be. And fair. then when we started like the band we're talking about now, like the the Armor for Sleep Jack Band, um, yeah. Then there was a couple more. <sighs> to be fair, you and I um, started playing in bands particularly young. Super true. I, I think, think that's why because we were so young. That there was just no one else around, like, so it felt weird. I think that's a, par- a parallel that you and I have, mm-hmm. because like, you know, Steve started playing in Stolaway in high school, but like, we didn't really play shows right away. And sure. He was older, um, and a lot of people don't start until sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. We were both like, fucking twelve, thirteen years old. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's particular, and then when, even fourteen, fifteen, when you're playing shows, like that's young. You can't even drive yet. No, we couldn't. We couldn't drive to our first couple years of shows. Uh, my very first show was at Seekers Coffee House in Dyer. First time you ever played, like your band played in front of people. Yes. Um. There was. They, every Monday they did open mics. You can do fifteen minutes. So we're, we can go up there and we can, we can play four songs, <laughs> and we did it. Um. Did you, did you play four off your five song EP? No, like this was probably like three months before that. This was my very first time on stage ever in my life. No, but I'm just saying, like, did any of those songs make? No, that because since it was a weekly thing, we did it like a couple times. In our very second show, we played in our first original song. Okay. Oh, because you're playing. Co- okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Oh no, so, that makes more sense. Sorry. I was my very very first time on stage, I was 13. We played MXPX, Green Day. An acoustic acoustic worship song, and Alistair. That's sick. And it was awesome. And our second time, we did another a different MXPX song, an original song, a different Green Day song, and another MXPX song. <laughs> did you like? Did you have any particular feeling like the first time? Not before, but when you actually start playing, after like you get um, the. Bullshit out of the way. The that whole and... day at school, because it was a Monday, and we played at like five or six p.m. on a Monday night or whatever on an open mic. Um, that whole day at school, like we've been practicing for weeks to do do this. We've been planning it for a long time. Um, I'm miserable, terrified, a mess all day, writing down like what we're gonna do during the show, like in class and shit all day, like planning it out, like what I'm everything, like yep. what what I'm wearing at this show, shit like that. My very, very first show, I was wearing black dicky shorts, um, an Alkaline Trio t-shirt with the heart and, like, some chick with, like, knives coming out of her eyes or something, um, a backwards black sideways Volcom hat. Fitted, probably, right? Like flex, a porno, porno flex, hat. porno hat. Yeah, porno um, hat. Okay, perfect. Uh, black Adidas Superstars and black socks. That's, so you looked like you were in blink. I looked like I was in mast because I had spiky hair. That's fair, but I mean the all black, all, all black fucking black stud belt. Um, because like Blink, take off your pants and jacket era, like it was like black dickies, black t shirt. I just uh, yeah, I looked like I was in fucking bl- Blink, um, straight up. I uh, or like Simple Plan or some shit. I remember like, <laughs> I was wearing those shorts too, but we played outside our first show. Sure. So it was colder, so I had jeans on, but I did the I did the famous Stars and Straps t-shirt with the long sleeve under it. You remember doing that, like, t-shirt with the long sleeve under it? I sure it? do. If you didn't do that, you were a bitch. Like, that back then. That that was the rule. Still, so. I'm going to start doing that now. 
I would, but I gotta lose some weight because I look too fat like that. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. To, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I was skinny in high school, so um, that's you know that's really cool. So like the funny thing you described, like you know being pretty like not just nervous but like anxious. I would say. Probably. Oh my god! Yeah, so it's, tense, it's, dude. Isn't it funny how even though you might still feel a little bit of that before you play now, I feel like when you get used to it, you just hate waiting to play. Would that be fair to say? Oh, sure. Because now, like, I, I, well, I mean, probably now. My first show back now, I'm going to be a fucking mess because no, none of them okay, playing the show for special circumstances. Years. Yeah. Sure. But then, I mean, after the first one, the second one, I was just really excited all day. Yeah. It's like you just hate waiting to play. You just right. want to play. Because, like, I, I, I would say um, I would have a similar, similar, you know, I would agree with what you said. Like, the first time, you're like, oh, and then... After a while, you just kind of like you, you know you take the back of your homework and you write the set list on it. Like, all right, guys. So I remember the first song we did, and like it starts out with just like some da 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 da, like just like power punk rock chords, like easy downstrokes. And I remember like just getting into it, and it like it worked, and we were all on time, and it sounded okay. And I was like, oh, we're doing it, and we played the show, and it was awesome. It's always like this when you're in a band. There's other people involved, so you can only control yourself. And I think that while you might be afraid that you're going to mess up and disappoint your friends, you also have that kind of like, if somebody else messes up, we could all get messed up, especially the drummer sure. or singer or whoever. So it's like this very like, um, and I, I guess I'm describing this for people who've never played in a band or played live. It's like, it's this weird, you have to have trust with your people. Absolutely. And like the dudes I played with, like all we did was hang out, like. So like we that was that was there like we knew each other not playing music and we knew each other well playing music and I think that shows like why a lot of us have this kind of like high school crush on our first bands. Oh my god, my first bands! I love my first bands because because to this like day. because like you kind of treat it like you know your your you know your high school like crush that you fucking whatever sure. like it's like oh it's like it's irrational because it's your first band and maybe the material's not the best. But the way you rationalize it is like the the trust that you have with those people and how much you practice. Because nowadays it's so different, even though we're adults and our bands are probably a lot better in most cases. It's like, sure. Okay, and you might still be homies with everybody, but like you can't practice like that. People have lives. I think I'm going to release my first EP publicly. <laughs> All right. I want it. I'll just send it to y'all. There's no point in releasing it publicly because it sucks. But y'all can have it. Put me down for a copy. You're gonna I have, have to. You're I have, have to re-record mine because it got lost. But Josh, the one song Josh likes is the one that I showed you. That was on it. The newfound ass like. DVD that's like one. that's like way better than my first songs. Well, that wasn't my very first songs. That was like my first band that like played all the time. Oh, okay. Well, so yeah. Was the, like the assignment was our first band that played a lot. Which yeah. So I'll, it's cool I'll that name, my. By the way. Thank you very much. The assignment. That that was a thing. I bet it was, especially we had we had a t-shirt that had just an outline, like a a threshold, like black and white outline of us holding our instrument, like all in a row. It was like a like a sand t-shirt with orange ink. It was actually sick. That sounds awesome. It was really cool, and it said the assignment and impact, real bit like about this big, and it's fucking rare. That's an impact. It said the. And then the assignment and all of us in a row. But if you covered up everything on the shirt, it was just a picture of me holding my guitar like, ah, 
And it said the ass and nothing else. That's on the sick. Sh- whole shirt. Fucking the ass. The ass. That's sick. Yo, he that shirt's that shirt's man. on Facebook. That um that was probably our third or fourth shirt actually. Our very first shirt was um a weird like drawing on a piece of notebook paper that our drummer did um of a giant butterfly holding a net catching a dude in a suit. Oh, that's so perfect for that era. Uh, it just it was that and it said the assignment in red letters. That's um, like that's like honestly something that uh Asteria would have printed in like 2006. Dude, it was super tight. And I'm, and then, I'm being serious. <laughs> then we had a brown one that just said the assignment in white letters, and it had a flower coming up out of the side and like some sp- like fucking splatter, like. So, the assignment, um, obviously was it was your original band added with the fourth guy. Yeah. How long was that a band? The assignment started in 2004, and we lasted until. No, the assignment started in 2003, and we lasted until 2005. So, I mean, for a, like, high school age... Like, two years, like, first, we, we played at Cornerstone, like, on a stage. That's awesome. Like, like, like as, like, a local that they you'd go on and play? Like, you register, like, they're, hey, like, hey, because there's, like, ten stages at this festival. Right, no, but and, still. And, like, really, you register really cool. as a small band, and you're, like, yeah, like, you can play, like, one day at, like, fucking 1 or 2 p.m. on, like, a small stage. Like, all right, yo... So we went, and then we played that day, and then there's generator stages at these campsites all over, all over the festival. So we just, we play every fucking day. I wanted to ask, like, and that's really fucking, honestly, even, like, that's so cool that you could say that you did that. Um, honestly, Thank like, you, thank you. No, like, I mean, Cornerstone is a very, in our world, regardless of if you're religious or not like it's a very important festival in our musical world absolutely and established a lot of great bands um i wanted to say i saw prada play a generator stage on a dirt road i mean it's and now they're like one of the best metal bands currently what the like this was, was that pre-plagues no no this was pre um pre- what's your first record called dear love this is pre-dear love this, this was a, when they, this they, was the summer of two thousand five. Oh so that God. was like when they had like the Dear Love version where they recorded a bunch of them except for like the two songs that people actually like off of that. But it was like something else. This was like watching dudes playing out of B fifty two amps on a dirt road. Fucking suck. Like they were terrible. Um, <laughs> I will, what I wanted to ask about like or what I wanted to comment was oh three to oh five. Right. That's basically I know it's two years, but it's basically like three whole years. You know. Yeah. That's a really good run for, like, a band in high school. That's very true. Like, people, when you're in high school, one year seems like it's ten years. And when you get out yeah, of high school, yeah. it's like time flies, especially, like, with the older you get. But, like, if you think about, like, 03, 04, 05, that's like st- saying, for example, like, say, get by going 16, 17, 18. Sure. So that's, like, one year short of get by. Yeah, true. My first, so, my first serious band lasted just as long, almost as long as Get By. And and the reason I'm saying that is because Get By is one of those things where it's like you guys are adults and you can handle yourselves, but also you know maybe you're not playing every single weekend, right? So there's more space in between. But you still, you guys were good about playing regularly and putting out regular music and always were quality. But still, it's I'm just saying like as kids, it's like it's hard to do that. Oh, very, very, because very, very hard. You have so much more time to practice. You have so much less control over your life. 
because you don't have money. If you, I mean, some kids work if you're old enough, but it's like you don't have money. Some of you can't drive. Um, you have school. You know, it's hard. Yeah. So that, that's a really, that's a great run. Actually, it, actually, in, in when I was 14, that's when I got my first job at uh, the 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 banquet hall, like Christian campground. We used to go to church camp too. Um, I worked in the banquet hall there from all, my entire high school career. I worked there since from freshman year to senior year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think like. It's, it's just fucking cool to hear that because I, like, I, oh, first of all, I've probably seen Cutaway Blue more times than I know. Oh, sure. But, like, I didn't know you. Sure. So, like, getting to know you as an individual, not, like, as a part of a band, was during Get By. Sure, sure. But it's really cool for me, even pre-Cutaway Blue, which we'll get to soon. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the really next one. Co- it's really cool hearing that because um i don't know i like this is like i want people to listen to this to get to know you but i'm really enjoying this because thank you as as close as we are we don't hang out and go oh so like you know we don't like talk about a lot of this stuff because it's just kind of like who part of who we are and we understand each other exactly kind of musician local band um artistic whatever we're called curmudgeons that's (laughs) the one yeah yeah you know what i mean fucking whatever how about one more for the soundtrack for what what era are we in? Like the the assignment era. Yeah. Um, ha, is there any further scenes forever on the soundtrack yet? Not yet. Two thousand th- was it was two thousand three is where we are. Two thousand four. Like oh three to oh five in that area. Oh oh three to oh five. Mm-hmm. When darkness falls by Killswitch Engage. Oh hell yes. Um. Um, so before we move on, I, I I'll pull a Boy Meets World reference when Eric says he's like I'm a townie. Snowbirds and townies. We're townies. <laughs> Especially me, because I'm from Eric, Crown Point. Eric Matthews band. <laughs> Dude, I think I might try to like record something and start that. <laughs> I told I've been joking for many, many years that I was gonna do a Milsavich Serbian cowboy album. Sure. And I actually might do it, but uh I kinda just want to do Eric Matthews band. It'll be all of us, but we'll Photoshop like well I don't have to Photoshop it, but we'll have butt cuts on all of us. Sure. And, but we won't sound like Dave Matthews Band because fuck that. If I if I was capable of doing it, I might. But like, I'm not good enough to play I'm, that kind of music. Dude, look, those motherfuckers are all talented as hell. Look, Dave Matthews Band is very talented, and they have some songs that are fine. But like, it's I don't like bo- Dave Matthews Band. Bo- it's kind of boring. And Dave Matthews Band people are weirdos. Yeah, like Nikki Glaser, <laughs> who I have a huge crush on, is a is a Dave Matthews freak. Like, people follow Dave Matthews Band all over the country and shit. Like, dude, that's nuts, man. They dump shit on... They like They dump shit on everybody in Chicago, remember? They sure did. Like, <laughs> that's dude, crazy. Getting season tickets to a band is like psycho shit, dude. Yeah, it's like, okay, when you get season tickets to the Hawks, it's like, they play 82 games, 41 are at home, so you buy 41, you get 41 tickets. Sure. And that's from October to, like, April... And you could sell them if you don't want to go and make some money back. And if you buy, like, imagine buying season tickets to a, a game and you're watching the same game every night. That's the thing. It's like it's like you can watch a band on tour. You're watching the same set every that, night. That, that's the thing. Is like sports are always because of variables and stuff. It's always different, no matter what. It's just different. exactly a show um, like that. And 
very there's only a handful of bands and maybe i'll ask you this can you give me maybe about five bands that you would actually want to see every night on, on an entire tour if, pick, e- e- even if five three to five probably um any, specific, all. any specific kind of music no no just wondering like, who who would you actually want to see every night on a whole tour green day okay um Jimmy World, cool. Under Oath, solid. Uh, Reliant K, okay. And oh oh oh, exactly. Um, Kanye West, perfect. I just wanted to ask. This is just riffing. It's not set in stone because sure. I feel the same way. Where it's like I love going to shows and I love my favorite bands, but. It's it's like I've I mean, for me, Newfound would be up there because they actually do change the set. Sure. Um, or like maybe Blink, but like that's if especially if Tom was in the band. But like other than that, it's like it's like there's plenty of bands I love, but it's like think about a tour being at like thirty five dates. Yeah. It's like Jimmy Eat World's a good shout. Jimmy Eat World is one of the best live bands of all time. Super true. Um, anyways, I didn't want to get too far off track. I just thought that that was a really interesting question and talking point, and uh, I could not understand watching Dave Matthews' band. I don't even think I could go see <laughs> see Dave Matthews' band. Uh, my uncle told me a story. I went to see Rush with my uncles and Steve, and my one uncle has like, been to a thousand shows, and my other uncle's like, this is like the second time I've been to Tinley. And I was like, what was the first time? He's like, when I was in college, I came here to see Dave Matthews' band. It was terrible. <laughs> he's like everybody was just like stoned and fornicating in the lawn oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Dave Matthews concert I'm like, well also it's Tinley Park <laughs> yeah true I mean fucking the lawn um, is the lawn is gross <laughs> some of the best moments of my life are at Tinley Park same just not in the lawn <laughs> fair <laughs> the lawn is disgusting um so I picked I picked that Kill Switch Engage song which is amazing. So now we're what two thousand four to two thousand what six? Um, we're gonna end the assignment. I'm gonna go pee real quick. Okay. You guys can keep running real quick if you want, or if you want to take a break, it's fine. I'm just gonna go use the bathroom. We can keep going. We're good. All right. So for our listeners, you get the break from my dumb voice. I'll be right back. Word. What's up, man? Yo, what to do, baby? Ah, first one. Yeah, What's good? I haven't said it yet. Um, no, this, this, is, uh, this is going well. Um, we're around mid 2000s here. Um, I think I should wait till Mills back till we get into like the like the meat and potatoes here. But okay, uh, is there anything I I didn't cover? You don't think? Up to this point, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's your story you're telling. Oh, um, I I didn't want to jump back super super far over and over and over again, but uh, I do want to jump back to 1997 ish. Um, my aunt like played a lot of Beastie Boys when I was a kid, like really little, like four, three, four, or five when she babysits and shit. Like Beastie Boys would be on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just being like, yeah, yeah, this is tight, this is tight. And uh, ever since um, I got. Ill communication on cassette in 1995 when I was eight, maybe, mm-hmm. and uh, I listened to it every single day 
And ever since then, I've loved every single Beastie Boys record, and they've been a giant, giant, huge, super important part of my life. Well, yeah, amazing band, generational band, obviously, multi-generational band. They're one of the all-time greats. Um, I Absolutely. Didn't, I didn't ask Jamil this. I don't think I got to it. Um, we covered your cassette and your CD. I know at one point you were big on vinyl. You know, I was, very big. This, we're kind of jumping ahead. might be jumping ahead here. You remember the first vinyl record you got? Set Your Goals, Mutiny. That's an insane one. I, I love and, that. And, uh... 2006 uh i had just graduated i just graduated high school okay, so we're i had far ahead here. no no not at all um i had just graduated high school i got a bunch of open house money and i bought a record player and a bunch of records uh the day that came in i also got um the illusion of safety delivered at the same time i got it from interpunk.com Hi, I'm back real quick. You guys keep going. I just want to say uh, sorry that we're the most professional podcast ever, where I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I had too many beers. I'm going to just leave and go pee. We're like peeing on the air, eating on the air. Um, <laughs> peeing on the air? Yeah. Dude, whatever. Fuck first, it. Peeing on the air is going to be the first single by Eric Matthews. Band. Dude. <laughs> um, so, um. I asked Larry, like, because uh, we talk cassette and CD, I asked him what his first final record was. Oh, what was it? Mutiny. Ah, uh, Mutiny. By Set Your Goals. By Set Your Goals. Dude, uh, a fantastic record. I miss Set Your Goals really bad, by the I way. I miss good Set Your Goals. Burning at both ends sucks. That <laughs> album does suck, but I mean, the uh, the EP and the first two albums. Maybe. Dude, this, this Will Be the Death of Us is untouchable. And seeing them live was so much fun. And violent. It was real violent. <laughs> yeah, dude, their shows are... When they would play Warp Tour... The whole fucking 219 was in there just kicking each other's ass. It was like a fucking hardcore show. It was awesome. People loved them around here. Fucking so good. I didn't mean to cut you guys off, but You're I okay. love Sight Your Goals. No, so. I, I, just, I kind of did a side <coughs> note. I, know we jumped, I thought, I don't know if we'd be jumping too far ahead. It's actually still within this time frame. It said 2006. So, yeah. Um, not so, um, right when, so the assignment ended. Um, I moved. So my first two years of high school... We're at one high school, and my second two years of high school were at a different high school. That's a hard change. It fucking the um, first the first week of that was the absolute it, fucking if worst. If you don't mind saying it, which school? I mean, you don't have to tell me. I was just wondering what school you switched to. And I I a junior or blah 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 freshman and sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I went I went to Hanover. Okay. And junior and senior year, I went to Lowell. Oh shit! So that's definitely like a switch. Yeah, there was kids my first day there. There was kids who drove tractors to school, and we had like four branches of FFA. See, and I was my like, mom, I'm like, yo, what, what is going on here? Like, I know that I'm only one high school south of here, but like, dude, this is nuts. Um, my mom uh, actually had to do that same thing, not same schools, but she went uh, her first two years at Maryville and her second two at Griffith, and sh- she said that that switch totally, especially in the middle of high school, it sucks. It, it was rough, but then like a weekend, I'm the only kid there with like a brand new shirt or like um, I had a really cool armor for sleep hoodie that I wore. Um, so this is like mid 2000s. It was 2004, I think. Yeah, it was 2004. Um, no one there really did that. And now was there was one kid. Uh, I was a junior and he was a freshman. 
And I'm like, oh, this kid is way younger than me, but he's wearing a fucking, I forgot what it was. Uh, the Academy is maybe. Or so. No, they weren't around yet. Um, uh, I think they started, but they weren't big yet. No. He was wearing the ju- a Junior Varsity shirt. Oh, shit. All right. And I'm like, whoa, you at the Junior Varsity? He's like, oh, yeah, man. Um, And like, <laughs> he, it turns out he's in a band like with these other freshmen, and he's a drummer. And like, oh, we need a bass player or a guitar player, or whatever. Come jam with us. I'm like, and I'm like, uh, a junior. Like, I'm in the assignment. I'm like, flexing. Like, my band's fucking good, dude. Fuck you. You guys, you guys are kids. And I go jam with them, and they suck ass. But the drummer, like, their drummer is insane. And at this time, actually, the assignment had just ended. So I wanted to do something new. What you just said, where, like, the band sucks ass, but the drummer is insane. I'm like, fucking rare. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's like, it's like, how often? So this kid, he's 14. He's a freshman in high school. He's the most amazing drummer I've literally ever, like, ever seen in person. Like, he's ridiculously, like, unbelievably talented. Um, I'm already... Like just starting Cutaway Blue with Caleb and the guy who played guitar in the assignment and Steve, who used to sing in Andrew's old band. Um. And then what's up, dude? I guess I'm only at uh 2005. I got a ways to go. Um, and I'm having the fucking time of my life. If you need um, a break at any time, let me know. Fuck a break. I'm. This is great. I'm getting to like visit all this stuff it's awesome real quick um, I, I just want to say too cool that like this is 10 now you're starting to see like sprinkles of get by like andrew and steve right D- different steve um andrew, oh, my um, i met andrew and jack at an assignment show at a place called cool beans in Sherville across from the trek store um mm. it yeah, used yeah. to be, it was next to a place called caskets and headstones <laughs> which was sick my um, business so we uh we play this assignment show there and there's this band of these like central kids and they all have like swoopy hair and they're fast and I'm like, oh dude, cool. And I meet Andrew and Jack and we just play shows with their band constantly after that, like all the time. Uh and their singer was this guy Steve. He was a terrible singer. They kicked him out and they got a new singer. Um, and this is right when the assignment was ending, so he's bandless, and I want to start something new. So I hit something him up. about like, singers named Steve. Damn, <laughs> dude, fucking no kidding. Yeah, the um, I'm just kidding. Well, I hit, I hit him up on AIM. I'm like, oh, you need a band? I need a band. He goes, yeah, do I play bass? I'm like, oh, word. To clarify, so, I'm, I'm the bastard in the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um. So we get together, me and him. And Caleb was really, like, crazy into something corporate and Jack's mannequin right then. Um, and uh, A Fever, you just sweat out, and Courtry had all just come out. Oh, what a great time. And we're all just like, yeah, dude, like, get this piano. Let's fucking write some poppy shit. Every band around here is heavy. Let's have some fun. So uh, we do that. We're jamming with this drummer, and he we played, t- t- like, two or three shows at RDS with him and maybe at Java Joe's once or some shit like that. Um, he sucked ass. So that 14 year old kid at my high school, I get him like, Hey dude, you're going to come jam with my band. We're all like two years older than you, but like, you're way too good to play with these fucking shitty kids you're playing with, which is like a dick ass bogus move, but I was fucking 16. So whatever. Well, I mean, you didn't probably mean it to be a dick. You're probably doing it for the better. No, but, no, but those motherfuckers were mad at me. Yeah, well- <laughs> 
go fucking practice your instrument. So he comes and jams with us. Um, he plays one song with us. Our bass player runs upstairs and calls the other guy and kicks him out because he sucked at drums. Um, then uh, Timmy joins that. That's when we start Cutaway Blue. Um, our first show with Timmy was who was that amazing drummer? Is that uh, a church basement in Highland with? The honor recital and hysteria. I I just want to say, and I'm I'm the exact same way. So this isn't like this is a, a compliment. I love how you can remember, like, the shows where they were, who you were with, because, you know, people don't realize for like anybody like you and I and 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 Steve too to an extent with Soloy, but like, we've played so many shows. Yeah, and this but is I, I remember a lot of dumb little specific shit. Yeah, like, there's some shows that stuff blurs together, but, like, um, I just want to say I really love that you're remembering that. It shows the, the detail to which you not only pay attention to, but that it's important. Sure. Thank you. So, uh, we play these shows with that band. Um, this is early hysteria, too. This is early hysteria. No, this is, like, it, it's between... Um, Bet- between the EP and the uh, demo? It's between the the first two full lengths, so like it's it's pre slip into something and post uh, the oh, one with had, like arsons and they, shit. They had lessons, the lessons and trades. trades, yeah. Okay, so I mean that it was between those two. So they were starting to get popular. So like we're hanging out with stereo, play shows with them all the time. And the only reason I'm asking you these questions is because I'm gonna be able to place myself there a little bit more. Sure. Because being the crown point kid, you know, it's like yeah. that it's was like, important. We played that show with Asteria, and they're like, oh, shit, we haven't seen you since your last band. You guys are fucking good now. And I'm like, oh, whoa, cool. Thanks, man. Like, I felt so cool. Um, We start playing shows with them all the time. Like, RDS, whatever, this show, like, everywhere. And Seth's like, hey, come record with me. Like, you guys got an EP ready? I'm like, yeah, he goes, come record it. Keep going, guys. So, I'm going to do what Sure. So we go, we go to Seth. This is my first time. This is my fifth EP recording in my life. And it's my first time in a like a in a setting where it's gonna sound good. Yeah, like a studio. Yeah, I mean so, it wasn't. I know it wasn't what it is now, but it was no, still, but still back then, still in good. And so like 2006 or whatever, or 2005 when you're a senior in high school, that sounds fucking great. It was yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean a hundred percent. And and you have to also. I I just want to throw this out there because you'll be able to back me up on this. For building a studio in their house, and I say the same thing about Tony and Seth, but at that era, most people, you you really had to know what you were doing and have the right mics because yeah, like it wasn't easy back then. Like if you were building a studio, it was going to be an actual studio, not like a home studio. Yeah. So, um, and Seth was very young, so good on good on him. He did it quick. He did it right. Um. We went in there. We knocked out um, our first DP. It's for four, four or five songs, maybe six. That's still on Bandcamp, actually. And actually, if I listen to that now, I'd still be like, if I release this today, I wouldn't be upset about it. That was the first Cutaway Blue. That's the first Cutaway Blue EP. Okay. Uh, Cutaway Blue only released one EP. So that was the only one. That was the only one Cutaway Blue ever released. We released one EP. Okay. Um. So did you guys record it in 04? We recorded it or in 05. Oh, five or we might have recorded it in 06. I think we recorded it like the winter between 05 and 06, like Christmas time. So you guys probably recorded it like right when they got done doing their album. 
They were doing their album while we were there. Oh shit. TJ like Woodruff in, like TJ Woodruff was there when we were recording the Cutaway Blue EP. The one okay. It, that Damn. was that was nuts. I almost threw up. He was only there for like five minutes, but like <laughs> I, <laughs> But I was looking, I was like, oh <gasps> and then I it was gone. Miss you most on winter oh. mornings. Yeah. Should I put that <laughs> on the soundtrack? No. no. Hell no. <laughs> I'm going to call you like, like I didn't do it this winter. Next time it snows, I'm going to call you and just start singing that. And That's all right. With, with the year we've had, it's going to snow next week. <laughs> Fucking A. That's true. I it keep might. having to tie my hair back because it's so hot. <laughs> so I look, wait, I look ridiculous. What had just happened? Um, you guys record your first... We record the, the our, our first EP, only EP, in a, the first time in a real studio, putting out music and hearing it, being like, oh my God, this sounds good. Being fucking psyched, super like unreasonably proud of it. I remember I was at my aunt's wedding and Caleb called my sidekick or something and he's like, hey dude, the EP's done, I have it. And I remember like going up to my mom and be like, hey, can we go? <laughs> it's like, we're at a fucking wedding. <laughs> I got my EP done. I want it, <laughs> dude. I remember a similar, like similarly, like I got the artwork for the set sale EP at like a wedding or something. I was trying to download it, but like back then, cell phones were awful. Yeah, and like it's the worst when you have to like. First of all, too, because you you're into recording now, so I just want to just quick side note. It's funny how back then you didn't get to hear stuff right away. No. Like now, like say I came in and I was like, you say you um, engineered and produced the song I did. You could bounce it to me every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Like you could just airdrop it to my phone, the rough and this and that. Back then, you had to fucking wait and it sucked. Someone had to burn a digital disc and bring it to you physically. Yeah, and then you had to burn five of them for everybody in your fucking band. And shit, the first, the first Young Gnarly Sheeny. EP or mixtape or whatever you want to call it. That's how I got it. That's um, awesome. Um, like honest to God, like it's it's just one of those things where it's like, this is part of being passionate about music, but like it sucks waiting to hear shit you did because when you're in the room and you hear it in those monitors, and I'm sure this happened to you guys with Seth, it probably sounded like the greatest thing you ever heard. I couldn't believe it's the music we did, and and it it's just the fucking greatest. Mm-hmm. So sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, I just okay. wanted to, I wanted to throw that out there because a lot of people don't realize what waiting for that was like back. Oh then. no! And then you hear it, like you go in there and you, he's like, "Hey, it's done. You want to come over and listen to it?" So you go to Seth, you listen to the final mix of like your first, like actually produced music. Yeah. And you you can't believe it. Like you're on fucking seventeen years old, on top of the world, not so, knowing like this was possible. So was this, this was a handful of the assignment guys, but you had the it was, drummer. It was five of the assignment guys. The old bass, because Caleb wasn't playing bass anymore. He was singing and playing piano. Okay. Me and the other guy who played guitar on the assignment were still playing guitar. Right. Steve, who used to sing for Andrew and Jack's old band called Falling From Fate, was our bass player. And then you could, had the- And then we got that new drummer. Okay, okay, cool. I just wanted to just clarify, because. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. So yeah, we do. We were in that band for a year and a half, maybe. Uh, I know you guys had a good run because I was at some of those shows. It's just I'm trying to. We did. We had a great fucking run. We got to play with some. We got to play with all time low and hit the lights and fucking like the sleeping. (laughs) That show, and I I regret to hell for this, but like 
I missed that show because I had like a basketball practice because in the spring we had AAU. Yeah. And we played what... with all, we played with all time only like four times. But the one particular one um that was by the seasons. Yeah. Hysteria. Uh, absolutely. It was the Java Joe's. Sanctuary. Okay. But yeah, technically, yeah. Okay, yeah. Same okay, Same whatever. place. So um I literally was like I had spring basketball which sucks because basketball gets done in the winter or go done in the spring sure and i was not like a jock but i loved playing sports and i was just like oh i really like all time low their new ep is really good i just wish the circles was re-recorded for it but i'll catch them next time they come and they fucking got huge so like every time i saw them after that (laughs) there's like a billion kids there so i just i really wish i was at that and that one's one i regret because i could have went to it but like if I missed basketball, I would have got my I would have had to run laps or so whatever. Yeah. Anyways, that's awesome. So we're in that band. We do. We have our run. We play with some big bands. We have a good time. We like. This is Jeremy Williams era too. This is post Jeremy Williams era. That was the, Jeremy Williams era was the assignment. Uh, but like at this time, wasn't he? Like before 07, like 05, 06, he was doing like Jeremy Williams and the Homo Sapiens. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, Jeremy and the Homo Sapiens was about that time. Yeah, good. good and that's call. a really good CD. <sighs> Fuck yeah, it is. So that's sorry, a, I, I just. That's a great I, fucking record. Holy shit. I'm going to let you go. I just have to shout out Jeremy Williams as many times as I can on our podcast. <laughs> I feel that a thousand percent. Um. So we do that, we finish it up. Um. People go off to college, we're all out of high school, blah, blah, blah. Um, we stopped that, um, and I'm just not in a band for probably two years, three years after that. So you graduated, like, you were in Cutaway Blue when you graduated high school, right? Yes, and we were in Cutaway Blue for maybe eight or nine months, ten months after that. Oh, I also forgot a band after that. Um, and we break up because, like, we we graduate, people go to college, whatever. Well, can I can I ask you a question at that point, real quick? Yeah, because this was something that I had a big problem in drama with. I wanted to ask you when you guys are in high school. I know you're not all the same age. Did Mostly. you did you have like any kind of plan for the band like post high school based on what you guys were doing? Yeah, I wanted to tour because um, we were like we were fucking good. We were we started the second EP at Seth's and it was awesome sounding. So um, so my my question was just so like that was in the cards was like let's keep doing the band. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to keep doing it. I would still fucking be in Cutaway Blue if I could. Um, right. Okay. No, no, no. I I wanted to ask because sometimes people like okay like we're all graduating whatever but like it seems like there's probably a split like decision based on like some people wanted other people. Oh yeah. Most of it was just people going off to college. I'm like, oh, we can't, we just can't do it. No one's around anymore. Okay, I just um, wanted to ask, and you that's that- okay. But um, yeah, I wanted me and another guy just wanted to keep doing it and go as far as we can because we were fucking good and we were young. Like we could, probably could have did something. Uh, Should hit just, me up. Just got old. You were like 11. What year? Oh, did you graduate? Oh six. Oh, I was doing my first band. Oh word. But I probably suck. So. So we uh, we finished that. Um, Caleb goes to college, meets this this dude who's like really into like Snow Patrol and U two and this shit. And uh, he to this day he's kind of a cock ring actually. Um, <laughs> whatever, I don't give a fuck. Um, they start writing these like poppy rock songs together, and he's like, "Here, do you want to be in this?" And I'm like, 
not really. But he's like, oh, a lot of it sounds like Jimmy Eat World. So they played me a bunch of songs they wrote. And, like, they programmed drums and synth and stuff and, like, Reason. Uh-huh. And, and, like, just played guitar along to it out of, like, amps. And it sounded cool. And I was like, oh, this does sound like Jimmy Eat World. So it sounded kind of like uh, Chase's Light Era Jimmy Eat World. That's cool, though. That's a good it's record. Like, I'm like, oh, I could be into this. Even though there's a lot of records that are better than that, that's yeah. still a really underrated still a Jimmy great record. record. Yep. So we do that. We record with Seth again. Um, the songs are actually, like, ridiculously good. It's just not my thing. Um, yeah, I feel that. The dude, that one dude, he wrote everything. You kind of had to play what he told you to play because it was like, it was his thing. And I get that. Like, it's your project. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, there was that. There was that band. I didn't have a great time in it, but the music that they put out is... What really was that good. band called? Fighter Planes. Okay. Did you guys play live? Yeah, lots. I've seen... Okay, then I was at a bunch of those shows. You saw us with, like, Before Their Eyes and shit. The audition? Yeah, we had all all those like, the lights. The, yeah, that was us. Yes, I totally remember that. And I bought whatever. If you had music, I have it somewhere. We had an EPN two shirts. Yeah, I think I don't think so. I was at that point in my life where, even though I liked getting shirts, I was like a huge because that's when I was um, playing in my first couple bands. But I was like really young, so not like we weren't playing that many shows. But I wanted to buy everybody's CD and learn the music oh. and all that. So. That's really funny that so, that I I probably saw you a handful of times with Cutaway Blue. Sure. Like one or two or three at most, but like I probably like that's really funny that oh. we crossed paths so, and didn't know. The skateboard kid who landed his kickflip listening to NoFX in my basement in like two thousand one or whatever. Yeah. That kid has been in every one of these bands that I've mentioned. Also, that show, because it was at my church that was at my church's hall. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of my family's gotten married there. I've gone to school dances there. And the funniest thing is is that that show, because they had the bar in the bag, a lot of people were fucking shit-faced. I wasn't 21 yet, but I tried to, and they wouldn't let me. Dude, the guitar player for the audition got hammered. <laughs> that guy, he had the Ibanez Strat or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, like, I remember, like, he was really cool because he was one of those guys who was, like, approachable because he wasn't the front man. Sure. And I was like, hey, man, like, I'm a young guitar player. Blah, blah, blah. I like your band. Because I, I really was a big audition fan. And still, like, they, I saw them at Riot Fest. They're still really good. Um, and he was really cool. But then he got drunker and drunker and drunker in the set. And they just got away from him. And I was like, oh, man. like, <laughs> Rare, I've done that. That was a great show. Yeah, that was a cool Othel show. played that, too. Mm-hmm. A bunch of bands. That show was long as hell. That show was, like, was, six hours. It was an Elton, Elton book that. So it was really long. But... Um, I was. I'm still... I did the. I did the flyer for that show. Really? I did. So I just. I don't want to interrupt you anymore, but I just want to go off on a quick tangent because that show was really big for me. I, um, I got. I got some. You mentioned the flyer. Um, how how much how much of your hands were in design around this time? Uh tons. I did all up until this point. All the bands I mentioned I was in before. I did all of our merch. I did all of our album arts. Um, all of it. So, so since doing, and I was doing stuff for like my friends' bands. Then I was doing like Victoria Cross stuff and mm-hmm. uh, Andrew and Jack's bands and like a couple of like um, metalcore bands from around here and stuff. Like I was do- doing it then too. That's awesome. So, so since the buttons that you just kind of rolled with it, and yeah, I I, I did that first button. I'm like, oh, this is tight. Uh, I did a couple other things. I realized MS Paint was a pain in the ass. There was a, a goth, like, mall goth kid at my school who did, like, a 
a special study like class that was only him where he got to do a graphic design class and he got me a, cr- a cracked version of Photoshop on like a burnt DVD. Oh, and uh, awesome. I installed it to my like e-machines desktop in my room and and figured it out. So so this is like, I think that show was in 09. Mm-hmm. And the, I remember that because, so I was, um, so Ethel or they're Open Your Eyes now. So Justin and Kamran, they're two, uh, I'm really close with both of them actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're really great dudes and great musicians, but I became really close friends with them. I actually worked with both of them too, which is really funny. I had different jobs. Um, that was way later. But, um, so I remember like, I was like, oh, the audition. Yes. Before their eyes for sure. And then I was like, well, it's Asteria and Fell and, you know, whoever. And then I remember watching you guys and really liking it. Um, and then there's a couple other bands. I think Standing on the Shoulders of Giants played, I think. I think so. I can find that. I can probably find that flyer if I look for it. I'd love to see that. But I remember that because the band I was in at the time, my my high school band, like Cosmonaut, that we played a ton of shows, the like pop punk band, we all piled into my my friend's band, uh, Danny, our drummer. We piled into his van. It was like everybody in the van, all our girlfriends, a couple of our other friends. We had like twelve people in a van, like shoved into like to go to the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I remember wearing because this is that era. I wore that brown Asteria shirt with like the the orange, like the birds. <laughs> I specifically remember that. I found the fighter planes MySpace. I think I can find that picture. Fucking that's anyway. Uh, that's but yeah. I that's, just, I'm just like going crazy because I'm like, damn, like that's crazy. You played that, and I remember that. And now we're like, uh, it's fu- the life is weird. That is that is super strange. So late two thousands. What do you want to throw on the soundtrack? Late two thousands, like two thousand, let's like two thousand six, cutaway blue post high, like high school, like senior year, junior year, and end of high school. Um, yeah, yeah. that is that. I'm gonna say, Hawthorne Heights. No, I'm just kidding. No way. Um, <laughs> probably something off of Cities by Amberlynn. Um, Godspeed by Amberlynn. Oh man, it's so funny you say that because the next year that was that show where my band was playing with Amberlynn. Oh my god, it's so weird, dude. The first couple Amberlynn records very important to me. If you and I weren't so like okay, we're not that far apart in age as adults, but if we weren't so far apart in ages, we we would probably would have been in a band together. Yeah. Like from what I'm hearing from everything, uh, I I'm gonna I gotta pee again. That's fine. I need another beer. We'll do it. So that'll probably be this will be second intermission and. Uh... Gotta, then we'll go into like 2010. I gotta throw. I gotta get my phone some juice anyway, so we'll take five. All right, all right, we're cool. What's up? Hey, we're back. Where are we now? Um, so like wrapping we? up 2009. The fight, fighter planes. Fighter planes ends. Um, fighter planes breaks up because just like no one gives a shit. And really, there wasn't really a music scene around here anymore because we were all like you know, 20. Um. So we stopped that. Um. I like I work at the Gap and like hang out and I'm like 20 and I'm like this is fucking lame, uh. So I hit up a couple of my friends. And I'm like, hey, let's get out of here. And uh, we worked uh, like really hard a cup for a couple months and like saved a, like a bunch of money and we just all moved to Chicago without any job or plan. We all just moved to Chicago. Wow. Just one day, like we found an apartment. Like, all right, let's go. So we get there. Um, we moved to an apartment on George Street in Logan Square at Diversity in Central Park in 2010, 2009, 2010, no, 2009, it was 2009, um, 
It wasn't like it was almost cool, but it was still kind of shitty. Um, it was awesome. The day I moved in, like I unloaded, I had all my stuff on the first truck. I unloaded it all. I set up my room. They're like, all right, we're going to go back to Indiana, get the rest of the stuff. I'm like, all right, I'll see y'all in a couple hours. So I'm there setting up my room. No idea what I'm doing at all. Um, I post on Facebook. I'm like, oh, I just moved to Chicago and this girl used to go to church with. She's like, oh, I'm the GM at a Jimmy John's. Do you need a job? I'm like, yeah. So she goes, okay, come here like now. I'm like, okay. So I open up my Blackberry because I had a Blackberry at the time because it was that era. Um, so, so did my fi- mom. She loved it. And she was pissed fi- when I discontinued it. I get the, the Google Maps walking directions to the, the Logan Square Blue Line stop. I get on. I go downtown. I go to this Jimmy John's. I get hired on the spot. Um, my parents sent me there with a bike. I rode my bike around the loop learning where stuff is and taking people sandwiches. And it was the sickest fucking thing in the world. That's actually really like it is really sick. Not to be redundant. Yeah, like, but I know it's always say. I I love how hands on that is. I know it's such like a oh like a like a canned response, but you're just doing it but, on a bike like, in Chicago. Like, no, no idea. Like I moved to Chicago the next day. I'm riding my bike through traffic with this bag on, not knowing anything. Secure the bag, and. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is intense. I need to figure this out. I got really good at it really quick. Um, and then I just, just spent the next couple years like doing that because it was like it's fucking insane money. Um, super easy. I worked with just like a bunch of punk rock dudes that like to like drink at work after it's like not lunchtime anymore. We're kind of dead. <laughs> So, like, we were just, like, at, like, 5 o'clock, one of us would go to the Binnies around the corner on, like, Grand and Wells or whatever and buy a big bottle of Burnett's and we'd all drink it with orange soda out of the fountain and get hammered. Hey, if it's not, if you can't find it at Binnies, it's probably not worth drinking. That's fucking true. If you can't find it at Binnies, it probably doesn't exist. Um, you're 2009. Is this 09? This is 09, 010. 010. Uh, this sounds a lot better than my, 010, yeah. but a lot better than what I was doing then. So this is cool. Um, so I'm doing that. Um, We're doing it. Sorry, simple, working, simple plan. Working, ride, riding Tyler. my bike around. So then I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'm gonna stop taking the blue line into work. I'm just gonna start riding my bike there. So I start riding my bike to work. I'm learning not just like the loop for work, but like the rest of the city to get home and stuff. Um. Learned the whole fucking like block for block layout of this giant fucking city just by exploring it with my bike for like a couple years. It was so much fun. Like you get off work, like oh I got nothing to do. Like fuck it, let's ride to this neighborhood. Maybe there's a show. Let's go see what's going on here. It's so tight. That's so sick. I mean, like when you have to just do something like that, you're forced to learn it. Yeah, but when you do, it wasn't. It's really it cool. It wasn't anything like I, I sought out to do because like I love BMX as a kid and shit, so being on a bike was always something I loved to do. But like being in the city and doing it because like <clears throat> for one it was your job, for two it was, it was just how you got around. Um the whole culture of it just really sucks you in hard. Um because it was like a lot of like minded people, like a lot of dudes that ride a bike for a living are like punk rock guys who like smoke cigarettes and have like strike anywhere tattoos and wear beanies and stuff. <laughs> so me and Steve. And it's just like, I, I start doing this and I'm like, oh, 
this is where y'all are because I really didn't know any people like that here. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, y'all are all here. No, like you are the the the, the drunk punk rock guys who ride bikes for a living. This is where we. That's kind of like because you know it's really it's not the same thing because mine's in a car. But from I when I worked, my company was based out of Chicago, and I had to go there a lot. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to different stores and different parts of the city and all this stuff. I just, you just drive around, you just learn it. You have to, you're forced to do it. You just drive. But then it's like, at first it's really like nerve wracking, but then you're like in love with it. You're like, oh, this is great. And then like, I'll be like riding down like Fullerton or something going somewhere. And I'm seeing like cars just like gridlocked, not moving. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going way faster than y'all. Fuck you. And I get to where I'm going. Like so much quicker. That shit sucks. I've been stuck in plenty of that. Like, it's crazy that, like, you can, I think my longest commute I had from my apartment to wherever I was working in the city was eight miles, was the longest one. And that still only took, like, 30, 35 minutes. Hmm. Like, that was, it's so much quicker than driving. Which is insane to think about, because it's manual. It's manual as hell. But, like, there's a million stoplights, a million stop signs. You're able to get through a lot of stuff a lot quicker than a fucking car can. And that's is that on the sidewalk or in a bike lane? That's on that's on the road. Riding a bike on the sidewalk is illegal. Okay. So that's, See, that's how you, that's how you know I live in the region. And there's so a lot of them don't have them, so you just got to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, but it's crazy. Um, Some people are really cool and kind of keep their distance. Some people drive in front of your car and it sucks. I've been I've been hit by a, a lot of cars on a bike. I've never sure. I've never hit anybody on a bike, but like it's really 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 scary. One time and that question that question I asked is how you know I've lived in the region my whole life. But you've Fair. but yeah, but we've been dude, you and I've driven around Chicago like so many times with bikers in my lane. There's um there was a time in front of the merchandise mart I got hit by a black Lexus. Uh he backed backed up after he hit me, went around me and bounced. <laughs> dude, that's not cool. But uh, it was a thousand percent my fault. <laughs> For sure. It was completely my fault. You ever, like, have anything so, serious happen from that? I broke my wrist once. Damn. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Also my fault. Um, And a, on a better day than, than having your wrist broken or someone hit and run you, um, if you were on your bike and you got your headphones in around this time, what are you listening to? Oh, good question. Not without a fight. Um, Underrated. Wu Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Kanye, what? Um, Dark Fantasy just came out, and when it, Dark Fantasy came out like a month after, two months after me living in Chicago. And at that point, I was like, I moved to Chicago to like to go to school to learn audio engineering to learn how to like be a beat producer, to be to take like beat production very seriously. And right when that record came out, it was all just, like, so surreal to me. Like, oh, my God, I live in Chicago. I'm here to, like, learn how to make beats. This new Kanye well, record came out. Everything is perfect. Maybe that's a good jumping off point. So before we do that, um, do you want a song off of that record for the soundtrack? Oh, fuck. What song? Um, <laughs> Devil in a New Dress. <laughs> no, Blame Game. Blame Game. 
So so you went to school for for audio production then? For beat production for a little while, yeah. Okay. I've you didn't do any classes for design up there? I w- I was going to double. Okay. Um and I did a couple. I took I took a topography class and uh a couple like intro to like doing like layouts for magazine covers and stuff and it was it was cool but beat production was just like consuming my mind at the time and I couldn't think of anything else so I just stopped doing it I just focused on that completely and then event- no, eventually I was just working so much and making so much money doing that and having so much fun with it that I was like fuck it I'm just going to do this and I quit school No, oh, fair enough uh, I we collectively Mill and I we we never really knew that origin story we knew you always were working on that excuse me working on that and then but i don't think we never knew like when i don't know explain it when when did that become like an interest when did you um, want to pursue i that? remember i got um a cracked version of fruity loops from a guy in high school in 2005 and at the time i was really into like the postal service right then and stuff and uh like the apple seed cast and like, Which, some, like shout ambient, out the like, postal shit. service because Al city ripped them off and got huge off of that uh, and I remember thinking, like, oh, this is cool. And I, I had loved rap and hip-hop for a super long time. I thought that was cool. Um, mm-hmm. So I get this, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So I just fuck around on it. I do, like, some, like, shitty drum sequencing just for fun and stuff. Um, like, in my room. Uh, get, like, okay at it. Uh, learn that you can take, like, an acapella and put music over it. And I did, like, a... Almost like a G unit sounding like Get Richard I Trying beat. Hell yeah. With a, yeah, like like Def Jam record stuff. Right. And uh I put A Punk by Vampire Weekend over the top of it, and I was like, Oh, you can do this. This is sick. Correction, shady records. So that was like the first thing I ever had like released. I just released it on like my Tumblr. Um Yeah, and this this was peak Tumblr era too. Dude, twenty twelve Tumblr is peak internet. I was there. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is fun. I could get into this. Um, then, I get really into what? Then they took the porn off, and everybody deleted their tumblers. That's exactly what happened, actually. Getting now, 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 Twitter's just Tumblr. Getting rid of porn destroyed Tumblr. Never ban porn. It's okay as long as it's of age, consenting adults. Just let it go. Otherwise, your website will falter. If your website's not doing good, add porn. Again, but see now now Twitter Twitter isn't 2012 Tumblr it's like 2015 Tumblr where everyone's just, everyone's just an asshole. Dude, t- Twitter yeah. Twitter it sucks ass. Every social media site actually sucks ass. Put us back in the fucking nineties. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, um, keep, sorry, so I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I get into that um, porno hat, and I get like decently good at it. Um, so I'm like, okay, I want to do this for real, so I go to try to learn how to do that but i'm working so i stop but yeah it all started from me getting a cracked version of fruity loops in high school and finding out that sequencing drums is fun and i wanted to say too because this is something steve and i both wanted to ask too about like making beats and stuff did you because clearly from a very young age you wanted to be in a band Uh, yeah it was like like Five. Did you ever have any intention of making like beats or being a producer, or being involved in hip hop? I remember knowing like uh like I knew who Rick Rubin was when I was a kid. He was on MTV sure, and very, stuff. yeah, but, like, sure, uh, he was huge. I remember hearing this like the thick ass drums on like 
mid to late nineties Beastie Boys, like Hello Nasty and Ill Communication and stuff, and hearing those stick drums and like the weird dusty kind of samples, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Sure. And then like I I remember seeing like the Chemical Brothers or like um Chem- people don't realize how big Chemical Brothers were like from like nineties like ninety seven ish like they were dude, huge. Yeah, like like Fat Boy Slam and like DJs and stuff yeah, like yeah, these yeah. Euro like these Euro yeah. like trip hop DJs and stuff. Like Fat Boy Slam and shit was big too. It was all really big on TV, and I remember I was really into it. So I'd go to like uh, I'd be at like a Target or Walmart, and I'd see like a double disc like Electronica Turntablism comp that had like a a Chemical Brothers song on it. So I'd get it and be like, oh, this is cool. My mom bought um, me Fat Boy Slim City ones. I was so stoked. Like like Moby and shit like that. That shit was really big oh. back then. Dude, yeah, it was. Eminem dissed Moby Harden without me, though. <laughs> it did. Um, hearing stuff like that, I always thought was like, oh, these guys do this with like mixers and records. I don't know how it works, but like that's cool. That would get like kind of like how I would get like musicians' friend catalogs. There was this other company called Pro Sound and Stage Line lighting and they sold like mixers and turntables sure. and dj stuff like drum machines i remember just looking in that and seeing what the stuff was so and, like, so you had like a, I a base level like hey like if i can do this i'd like to yeah absolutely okay. the interest was always and, there and the reason i asked that is just because um like you're somebody obviously you're one of my closer friends but like i look up to when it comes to like learning about thank audio you. pro audio recording and stuff i'm always i'm always asked picking your brain and stuff because sure thank you no that's cool. no you i mean you don't thank me i'm just being honest like um because i'm still learning that you know i i was just never my world but i want to be able to do it for my own sake sure and um like the beat making part of it i've i've always loved like the beats that had like a lot of instrumentals and stuff Mm-hmm. Like especially like the the jazz rap stuff or even some of the yeah. some of like the um like early 2000s stuff without guitar and whatever but i had no clue like how that was being made and i never thought like oh i want to make that i was just like i like, really like this so i i just really thought like you know and i'll, I'll kind of introduce this you know when you started sharing you started making beats before we were f- became friends but when you started sharing it when after we became friends i was like yo like I was like, this is fucking awesome. Thank you. No, for sure. But I'm saying, like, because they're not, like, ripoffs of anything. But the quality's there. The music's there. And I had no idea because most people that exist in our kind of, like, independent, like, punk rock world or whatever you want to call it. They, a lot of them either just listen to rap or don't even think about it at all. Yeah. So I just thought that was really awesome. That you were, like, making beats, making beat tapes, you know. Now, remember yeah, the, that, like... The, the appreciations behind it as well. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to make trap beats now for money. It's like, no, like, you actually give no, it to make this, and it's like hip... It's like they're hip-hop really influence. great hip-hop beats. They have cool drums. They have cool... Just... It's not just fucking trap beats. And I'm not dissing trap beats. It's just, like, mm. when I... When we started playing shows together and we became friends, and then I found out what you were doing side of that i was like oh like cool because everybody else was just making like trap beats sure it's and i get it and i guess the thing you do like that's what that's where they are now i i get it that's why um and i i, I make trap beats from time to time it's fun they're okay but, but uh, it's it sucks when everybody's song and on, on the whole album is a trap beat yeah i use trap as an example because it's like how many people like don't give a shit about actually making music it's just like a, oh i could do this for money yeah, that's exactly, and that's what they do because trap's actually kind of easy. Yeah, I get it. 
That's tight though. Good for them. That's cool. <laughs> my my cynicism had to shine through at some point. I just gotta make sure I'm good <laughs> on battery. So then uh I get really into I'm still like I am working and stopped going to school, but I'm still making beats. And uh it's like it's really hard to like get rappers that aren't like shitty to rap on beats. Well, back in like 2010, like I didn't know, like there was not a resource, there wasn't a way to figure out how to do it. So my roommate Justin showed me stuff like Flying Lotus and like Bonobo and uh, like it's it's still like hip hop beat centric music, but it's really interesting and like organic. Yeah, very musical stuff. There's a lot going on because there's no one on. There's no vocals, so you can go real nuts with the beat. And he's like, but instead of trying to make beats for people to rap on, why don't you just make these really complicated beats and then you don't have to worry about anyone rapping on it and you just put it out. Well, Like, oh yeah, you're right. And I did that. I, it, I put out my first full length on 4-20-2012. Smoke it. I, absolutely, that was, that was the point. For sure. <laughs> Good shit. But um, I put it out. Um, I released it as like a sponsored release on Datpiff. That was the only place you could get it. I think it still is, actually. Not on um, Bandcamp? It's not on Bandcamp. It's, it's on Datpiff only. Um, Datpiff for the OG. Is it still uh, on Datpiff? It's still on Datpiff. What's the release I, I name? Took, yeah, what's the release name? Um, it, the album is called Architecture, and my name back then was just LGR Beats. Okay, because I was going to say, like, I still use Datpiff for stuff I can't get on other, like Spotify or whatever. And that was my first full-length... My, it's my first full length in any regard, but my first full oh. length of doing beats myself. And they were, it was my first attempt at making like atmospheric, um, like mellow kind of interesting beats that didn't need people rapping on it. And they're terrible. That album's bad. But it's, it's still an important record. It's for a you, very right? important record for me. And actually, I wonder if it's bad. I think I might listen to it soon. I want to hear, like, yeah, I, I have that piff for like stuff you can't get on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Especially because like some of the mixtapes that have like um, copyright, like Mac Miller has some mixtapes you can't get, whatever. So then after that, like that album actually did like okay, like it was received pretty well by like a decent like blogs and people hearing it. And then, uh, so then I was releasing EPs and beat tapes like monthly for like a couple of years. I was putting shit out all the time. Um, and one day I I like went nuts. I don't know. I was like really bummed out and deleted everything off of the internet. And some of there's a couple of I think three EPs that I cannot get back. Oh. That I've ne- I have not, and I want to hear so bad. That's a bummer. And I can't get them back. I have no idea where I can find them. They're just gone everywhere. It sucks. I know that feeling. Um, maybe not in the same situation, but just like wanting to hear something you made, and you know you're probably never find it might not even exist yeah. it sucks i know there's like some teaser videos of these releases on like youtube where it's like a couple seconds of each beat on the on like for like a minute long little video and i hear those little clips and i'm like fuck that track was really good and i i can't hear the whole thing it sucks so then i, t- I compiled everything that i liked the most out of all of those releases into a couple compilations and just put out two volumes of that so I still have a lot of it out there, but 
not in its original form. Damn. So all the all, all, half of my Bandcamp isn't the original like release form that it was supposed to be. Fair. But that's okay. That's okay. It happens. Fair. And uh, what's the address for that for anybody who wants to hear it? Oh, spacetourism.bandcamp.com. Just just spacetourism.bandcamp. Like you, nothing else. Okay. Nothing crazy. So I know the space tourism stuff is the Bandcamp stuff, but you said you had an old name for your dat piff. Yeah, um, but because it was just just my initials. But it's technically that, the same, yeah, like like same. Uh, it's the same stuff, but um, at the, that was before like I was trying to do it like instrumental and solo and like weird and be real creative with it. Okay. And the the original name was like, oh, that's a guy that makes beats for rappers. Like that's what it sounds like. Um, I have space tourism so, like Bandcamp saved on my Bandcamp. Oh, nice. And I listen to like because I like instrumental stuff because um. Sometimes when I'm doing something, if I because I write or whatever, or I, sure, or I can't sure. think, I like instrumental music, so I'll listen to like sp- your stuff, you know, Polyphia, like whatever, different genres sure. of music. But like, I really like it because I can focus, but I still can enjoy the music while focusing on stuff. Sure. And I know a lot of people maybe don't get that with the instrumental regard, but to me, it's like I also count vocals as an instrument. And if you can make music where it doesn't need it, it's like, I can still enjoy it. Right, right, right. Not discounting so, vocals by any means. Just oh, saying. sure. Where was I? I just put that full length out. Uh, I, I delete. No, I'm further than that. Um, So what is this? This brings me to about 2014, musically anyway. Twenty, Yeah, about 2014 musically. That's where, about where that takes me. And during that time, like, I'm still listening to punk rock and I like, I'm still listening to hardcore. I'm still going to shows. Like I'm, I listen to like newer stuff. Like I would still listen to like Transit and Stories So Far and shit during that time. Um, right. So, so, so you never, so you never really left that world. You were just oh, never, making different, never different stuff. Once, I was just, and I, I wasn't playing punk rock because I couldn't. No one wanted to play punk rock. If That's I, if enough. I found people that wanted to play it, I would ask people all the time, but no one wanted to do it. Um, so I just started doing next and have to rely on anybody. It was just me. No, we we feel that. <laughs> Fucking a. So then, uh, what's next? I'm in Chicago. It's then I'm working at the bike shop. Um, I used to go to, just I would go to bike shops all the time, buy little stuff, upgrade things here and there on my bike, have fun, like hang out with the mechanics, like bullshit. Um, I work, I get a job at one. I work like eighty hours a week, and I work seven days a week just because like I was allowed to, so I would just work constantly. Um. That was it. I worked at the bike shop and drank a lot there because the owner was a crazy alcoholic who would like feed us alcohol if we worked a lot. It was sick. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun. I made a lot of friends. I rode a lot of miles on my bike. And that was really all I did during that was like I made beats, ate burritos, and worked at the bike shop. It was just chill. Hell yeah. That was tight. That was, that was a good time. But then like, I don't know, it's 2015, 2014. No, it's 2015, 2016. I'm there, it's like, I'm getting older, I'm like 27, maybe 28 or something. I'm like, man, fuck, this is exhausting, this is hard. Like, I'm tired. Um, so you're me right now. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm, it, Indiana's quiet, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. So I come back to Indiana, and I remember it sucking, that's why I left. I left because it was I was 20 or 19, and I was bored, I'm like, this sucks here. But you get there and you're 28 and there's like, there's a brewery and there's a new coffee shop and shit. And you're like, oh, all right. 
I can deal with this. And it just either I got old and didn't realize it was cool or it got really cool like recently. Yeah, it definitely built up. It definitely built up, I think also and I, look, I'm I'm like at that age that you're talking about now. I I worked in Chicago through those ages you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to move there for work because of just how fucking much it was. It was just like, okay, like this is this is cool, but like I need peace sometimes. Sure. And I think now I think Crown Point is a cool city because you have a balance of like, I mean, granted, when COVID's not going on, it's way cooler. But it's like, there's sure. all kind of shit you can do. But then there's also like, you can just go home and not be bothered. And really, like, if I want to go, it's right there. Yeah, it's not far. It's close as fuck. Well, when you and it's it's violently different. When, here. when you drive, when you do the drive enough, it's super easy. Mm-hmm. So like, you know. I've been to a billion Hawks games or Cubs or Sox games or Bulls or whatever. Concerts, shows, whatever it is. Just work. But, like, like you said, it's like you can just come back here and it's like you could do your own thing and not be bothered. It's great. Exactly. I think that the region doesn't get as much love as it should. That's fair. I'm not saying Indiana as a whole. But just no, but here, but, but here is cool. But the region's a cool little pocket of, we don't have to be in the south. Yep. But we can also not have to exist in the city and be exhausted at all times. It's true. I think the region gets. Uh, I think its appreciation a lot of times is for the wrong things. That's true. That's probably I feel fair. That. I think that's how I see it, at least. Um, Larry, you moved back. I did. You, you're not quite in get by yet. Uh, that, um, me moving back to Indiana from Chicago, actually, um, it was probably my last six months in Chicago. And at that point, I wasn't, wasn't considering leaving. I was laying in my bed. I was living in Albany Park um, at like Lawrence and Kedzie-ish. It was super cool part of town. Uh, Andrew sends me a message on Messenger, and I hadn't talked to Andrew in probably two years. He's like, hey, I started the pop punk band. I'm like, oh, dude, that's cool. He's like, you got to be in it. I'm like, I fucking can't. You, like, I'm not traveling to the region to jam with a pop punk band, dude, and there's no way. Um, he's like, yeah, right on. I get that. So then when he finds out I was back, he hit me up. He's like, yo, dude, I'm still in that band. I'm like, oh, word. And it, I, I'd only been back for like a week. Oh, shit. One, so that, that, one of the first things I did was I went there and jammed with Andrew, Jack, and Josh, just the three of us. They play one song, they play bitter, just the rhythm parts through the one time. I'm like, all right, do it again. It's from the top, and I riffed the entire time, and everything was perfect. Hell yeah! So it's which is awesome. It's a great song and too. The the thank you. And then final product was. We... Go ahead. No, I was saying like because I I like the old I like all the all four I mean technically because I have all four get by. EPs sure. now I could say like I like all four of them but the uh, the first one I hear a lot of that pop punky newfound oh yeah influence so it's cool uh, I all really I was saying is is you move back you're in this new band uh, what what's going on in the soundtrack for that period of time making the move and and kind of starting that next chapter which is the chapter you met us uh, leaving Chicago again, I actually was listening to a lot of Dark Fantasy because it was a little bittersweet. 
What? Um, and that record was... I, I had a tradition every single year. Um, the first snow, if I was available not doing anything, I would hop on the train. I would walk downtown and listen to 808s and Heartbreak during the first snow every year. That's awesome. I, I wouldn't actually ever really want to do cool. that again someday. Um, but yeah, so... Kanye West, while living in Chicago, where Kanye West is from, was always a really special thing. Like, riding on the train in, like, the summertime and listening to, like, um, or even just, like, stuff he produced. Like, listening to, like, B by Common on the train, like, on, like, a Chicago summertime is the most, like, magical thing in the world. How about we put that on there? B by Common is my, is so my soundtrack for my, we, whole, my whole time but, in Chicago. Before we jump Absolutely. full on into 2016 and get by, I have to take one more break. If you guys want to keep going, you can. If you want to just take a quick break, we can. Sure, we, well, we can keep going. Okay, I'm just going to hit the bathroom, grab a beer. Here's the deal. We started this at 8.30. It's 12.22 a.m. I had to pee because I've drinking like, I don't know, eight beers or whatever. <laughs> but, you know. We're, we're doing Actually, I was really drunk at the beginning, and I've pretty much sobered up. I'm not drunk, but I've been drinking these Goose IPAs, and I had to pee a bunch. So anyways, um, so you guys want to just take off where we're from, where we're going at? Yeah, where are we right now? Get uh, by. You're, so you just moved back. Oh, I just started Get By with uh, Andrew. They, I didn't start it. They were already the three of them. Andrew, Jack, I joined it. and who? Andrew, Andrew Jack and Josh Reedy. Oh, yeah, Josh. Shout out, Josh. So, um, it's my first time being in a band without Caleb being in it. Besides no fences. I didn't touch on that at all. You can. Um, me, me and Chris were drunk one night, and we're like, hey, this would be fun to play these songs fast and loud. And then we did, and that's literally the whole thing. <laughs> we put out an EP and played a handful of shows, and it was fun. Oh, yeah. Hi. Um, um, so, I'm jamming with them. And they're like, oh, dude, like, can you sing? And I'm like, fucking, I can't sing well enough to do this kind of thing, that's for sure. But I know a guy. I'm like, okay, bring him by. So I send Chris a demo. They had actually already recorded an instrumental song. They recorded the instrumental to Mount Street um, with Darren before I was even around. So they had that to show me. And I'm like, oh, this is good. Um, so I send that to Chris. I'm like, all right, dude, uh, write something to this and come jam here next weekend. He's like, okay. So he did. Um, he showed it to me in his van beforehand, and I was like, dude, yeah, this is perfect. They're going to shit. Uh, and it, that's exactly what happened. That's good he shit. Came, he, he came. We played through the song. He hit it once, and we were just like, what? He came. They um, heard you conquered. Yeah, and, uh, and ever since then, he has lost more and more stamina vocally every minute. Ah. <laughs> shout out, <laughs> shout out Chris Plant, friend of the pod. Absolutely. May never be on if he doesn't want to, but we want him. And, and he was around actually. Like I, when my blah blah blah, my first bands and like the assignment and stuff was playing shows with Chris Plant's hardcore band back then. Um, so Chris Plant's always been around. What band was that? He, Chris, he was used to be. In, he was in a band called Drop Dead Gorgeous yeah, yeah, yeah. without a without a comma before Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Uh, what I remember. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, they were called Drop Dead Gorgeous, and then Drop Dead Gorgeous had the comma, and they released their first record. They're like, God damn it! And they had to change their name. <laughs> That's insane. Like, yeah. Dude, that was cool, man. That's why... Uh, they were they were all right. I, I mean, like, it was a high school hardcore band, like, you know. That's why I made up, stole, like, a fake name 
yeah. for Stoller because I was like, I don't ever want to have to deal with that. Because I've dealt with, when I was in Set Sail with Darren, we changed mm-hmm. our name twice. We had three different names. It's terrible. If you, think of, if you ever think of a good band name, like the first thing I do is go on Spotify and see how many times it comes up. That's what I did. I went on Google. And it's it's usually like five because every cool name is fucking taken. I straight up went on Google just to make sure nothing came up because I didn't want I didn't want people to search my band name and then find like a, a company. Do you know how Get By was hard to Google? Yeah, but that's like that's if you search "get by" on any music platform at all, Talib Kweli comes up. Yeah, see, that's a that's a very specific situation. I just made up a name. <laughs> sure. Um. So we do that. Chris comes jams. We sing. It's awesome. Blah blah blah. Uh, we write an EP. We go record this this three song EP at Darren's. Um. We play our first show. Um, coming a uh, five year anniversary is actually in a couple weeks of our first show. Um, we should do a get by episode. That would be fun, actually. That would be really fun. Um, so we play our first show with uh, Oceans and Low Country. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. It's at the it's at the Bullet. Technically, uh, I'm in Oceans. <laughs> and like, I'm like, that's all the homies. Fucking a. And do our first show. Like we we did. It was a. Uh, the day after our EP first had come out, it was my first time being in like an actual band and like, uh, fucking almost eight years at that point, maybe 10 almost. Um, yeah, just about, um, no, not that long. Ah, fuck it. Yeah. Let's call it eight. Uh, it was the first time playing like heavy pop punk that like I grew up loving that like, I always wanted to play. Um, that I shouldn't say it that way, but like playing it well as an adult and like just being super, super, super happy. We're like writing a bunch. We're playing shows all the time. Just being back into it was so, so, so sick. And then we wrote our we wrote our second EP. We put that out. Um, our second EP is my favorite thing we ever put out, for sure. Hell yeah. Um. People quit, people go nuts, people move, this, that. Um, other people play different instruments, this, this, and then it all explodes, which is just a classic tale of being in a band in your 30s. But during that time, we got to become homies, which is cool. We played a show. I think it was OG lineup. Get by. Well, we were supposed to play with you guys real quick. We were supposed to play with you guys, and we had to drop because Steve got really sick. Sure. I don't know if you remember that. Which show was it? It was, it was a lol VFW. It oh, was like April the, of Yeah, that show was insane. I think it was April of 18. <laughs> yeah. That show was awesome. And here's what happened. Steve, what did you have, Steve? I tested negative for strep, but it was strep. Ugh. So, so our singer has strep, so clearly he can't sing. So then we were sitting there and I'm like, okay. You have three days till this show. We don't want to drop the day of, but like we want to give you enough time to see if you're better. And then it was the day of. Steve's like, I can't sing, and we we're trying to figure out, and like it just was like we're not. It's not gonna happen because like I was full on, could barely speak. Like I missed Easter that year. Like I, I was, I was fucked yeah. Up. Like 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 Steve didn't go to like my family went to church on, on Easter. Like Steve didn't go. Like he was that sick. Oh, Jesus. like I mean, that's like a. I mean, in our family, for, that's for, like a big for deal. Ser- for Serbian Orthodox people, that's like if you go any day, it's that one. 
Right, like that's a big deal. Yeah. And and uh, so we we were super bummed. And also too though, I was like, well, even if somebody feel like I was like, we're not gonna play without Steve on last minute. Like if you fill in for Steve, you got to practice for a few weeks. Yeah. If anybody could even so, we were supposed to play with you guys at that, and then just to just to fast forward, it ended up happening in August. At the moose. At the moose. No. Was it the moose or the Lowell one? The moose, moose. first. Lowell was moose in was November. The first one. Yeah. Moose was the first one. Amazing time. So that was cool because we did uh, the first time we ever met in person. We did a shirt trade. That that yes we did. That was also the I I got my helix. Six hours before. I remember you were posting about that on Facebook, and I was like, oh, like we'd been Facebook friends for a while, and we both are into like a lot of the same bands. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get to meet those dudes. This will be cool. And we did a shirt trade, and then like I remember we never fucking like after we both played, we just hung out all night and talked about Newfound Glory. We were gonna do a cover set. I like, I like, didn't that's for, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I like, didn't really talk to you guys much that first night. I don't think we really talked about this before, at well, least on the show. So what happened was I kind of, uh, because like, stole away, was at the bar, rare. Um, fucking like bingo. I just choose like, not, I, typically I don't drink before we play. Sure. Can't say I'm, the same. I'm like <laughs> hyper nervous about my voice and drying out my voice right away. That's fair. So I'm manning merch and Chris comes up and buys a hat. Yeah, like, Chris oh, Chris fuck? bought a stolen like, hat. Yeah. Like, all right, dude. Like like what I like and uh Larry, our our pass like didn't cross that night until the very end of the night, I remember. I was rolling out a cab and it was just one of those like like good set kind of interactions. Sure. But I could tell we both meant it. Like we were both like, "Yo, like you guys are sick." Like that type. I of really, shit. I remember that, and I actually really remember being like, "Hey, dude, yeah, like, good set, but this is fucking genuine." And that was you sick. wore our shirt during the set, and you were wearing it. Yeah. Then I'm like, "Yo," I was like, "Thanks for fucking like repping." Yeah. So, shit. so we did Absolutely. a shirt trade. So you got the the really cool that slate blue stole away shirt with the tree that Steve did. It has a uh, uh, falling through space lyrics on it, mm-hmm. and then I got the get by shirt. Um, which is like, I don't know what I believe. And it's got like the old mm. English. So it's funny. That's like, that shirt just fits me the best, but I like retired it because of how cracked it is. And you gave me a new one. But, um, so we played that night and I remember like listening to you guys before, because I was like friends with a lot of you guys on Facebook just because of like being in passing and being in the scene. Sure. But also I've been friends with Darren for uh, 20 years or whatever. And he recorded you guys. I remember him posting about. I'm like, and I was like, I like this band. Like they're good because it's like aggressive pop punk and whatever. And thank you. you no, know, oh, for sure. Well, you know, I mean, but uh, so I was excited to like not just play together, but to watch you guys. But I remember it was a really fun night. But <laughs> that night was really funny because we weren't supposed to play originally. Some band dropped. Yeah. Okay. And then like the fucking poster, the flyer for the show, they just like randomly really small somewhere put like stole away just added or something in like the bottom right corner <laughs> and and we like drew people so i was like oh okay thanks dude it wasn't you guys it was the fucking dude booked the show but um sure but uh that so i remember specifically you know how there's a taco bell right by my house yeah jake drove um the trailer to my house because all the cabs were at my house sure so we loaded in. Actually, I think you used my cab that night. Probably. Because you were like, yo, can I use your cab? I'm like, yeah, dude, let's fucking, let's go. Like, I was all hyped. 
and Jake Jake comes over and picks up the cab and it's like the fucking whole crew like everybody in the band all the people who would come with us and we're like all right fuck let's just go to like look we have no idea if there's gonna be food there we're probably gonna drink let's go to Taco Bell we all loaded up on Taco Bell we get there we load in we do our shirt trade and then I'm like oh man like these guys are cool this is gonna be fun and then we go to the bar and that's when we fucking I'm getting off track from your story but. I'm like, all right, um, I'm going to have a shot of tequila with a lime, uh, 18, or I just said shot of tequila with a lime. I'm like, Jake wants a space dust and Jimmy wants a Jack and Coke. And she's like, yeah, that's like six bucks. And I'm like, um, I have a shot of tequila, uh, an IPA and a Jack and Coke. Oh yeah. It's like six six bucks or whatever. It was six or $7. I was like, what? So by the time, so stole away played. Three out of four. You guys headlined. We played before you. Spineless played first because they were like acoustic. Mm-hmm. And then it was the early played after. Mm-hmm. So we were like, this is like sound check. Like Spineless wasn't on yet. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I don't have to play for like two hours. <laughs> so by the time, and, and this show, we made it, this is just a small antidote. We made this mistake. We've done this maybe twice ever. We opened with the song Buried, which is like a four-minute haul of a song, but we always have to play it because people like generally who come to see us like it, the the five people that like us. And I'm like fucking doing this fucking... Th- this part comes... It just opens after the sound clip with like a dun-dun-dun-dun yeah. like build, and I'm sweating, and it's like I'm sweating tequila. That's how much I had. Oh yeah, because of the fucking how cheap it was, and they had eighteen hundred. It wasn't like yeah, well fucking shit. Yeah. A, a gin and tonic was beef eater, and it was three bucks. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't like generic. Fuck, I wish I knew that then. It wasn't like generic <laughs> shit though. It was like I'm sitting there. So then I'm all fucking like hyped up, and then you have the adrenaline of playing. So then yeah. you and I are in the parking lot for like an hour and a half talking about newfound glory. That's I'm true. just that like, this is my new best friend. What the fuck? This guy's awesome. That absolutely happened. I remember a show at Franklin House. We stood the entire show. We're talking about everyone, everyone set, standing in the arcade room, talking about Tom DeLonge. <laughs> it was crazy because, like, I would say something, and then you're like, oh yeah, and then you'd say something, and I was like, yeah, and like, we just like we're on the same fucking like plane. I couldn't like, I couldn't believe it at first that someone understood Tom DeLonge that way. Like, like, oh, you too? Wow! I think... Was it because of my guitar? I don't even know how we got in that conversation. Um, it's, it's, it just comes up pretty commonly. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, at least from a from an outside perspective, it, it does. I, I had a couple of questions. Uh, especially yeah, sorry about that. Um, two of them, you have to go in depth. Here's to, here's to the fucking uh, Moose Lodge. Here's to the Moose Lodge. Um... I gotta say something about that that sucks, but you guys go first. Um, okay. mid to late 2010s, you know, you're you're rolling steady with Get By, <sighs> playing Stole Away. Mm-hmm. Um, what what goes on the soundtrack for this period of time? Eleven by Trash Boat. Wow, awesome. yeah, definitely of the era too. For sure. Um, and uh, other than that. Um, if I was gonna pick another one, I might say something like "Lost Your Name" by Balance. Oh fuck yeah! Um, cause I'm trying to. 
I'm trying to like round these out with a lot of with a lot of good stuff. Um, my only other questions, I just want you to kind of go into what you'd eventually be spending most of your time doing now, which is printing and podcasting. Um, oh, and recording. And recording, yeah. You you, you sure. definitely. I you st- I always like to dabble in audio, like getting that cracked Fruity Loops in high school, and just it was always fun. It was always interesting. Um, I remember getting a, an interface um my first interface in probably 2014 um and knowing like oh i can plug my guitar into my computer i'm gonna write a bunch of songs so then we like we recorded the no fences like i did the first the whole no fences ep by myself um i should say only because we only put out the one but I did, that was like my first thing i ever like recorded um but it was just fun. I had to like my friend mix it and shit because I didn't really know what I was doing. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds like ass, but like whatever, it's fun. Um, and I just got really kind of not super into it. Like we started recording with Darren and it was super cheap uh, and it sounded awesome. So I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, cool. We're just going to do this this way. And I just kind of drifted out of it. Um, get locked down like a couple years later. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do this again. And I uh, bought a bunch of stuff. Actually, bought all of Darren's stuff that he recorded the goodbye EPs with. And now I own it and use all that. That's um, weird how that happens, right? That is, yeah, that's crazy. Did he it's just all, stop recording, I've... or did he like get other stuff? He like he had a kid. He's just busy with work. And like I posted on Facebook, like, oh, I want a new interface, new monitors. He's like, yo, I got all that shit. You can have it for like ridiculously cheap. Like, I, I was just, okay. <laughs> I'm just asking because Darren, um, it's really this is another weird parallel. I didn't want to interrupt you, but. Darren sure. recorded, like, my band in high school, like, my second band, but my first one that really recorded and played shows, we recorded with Darren. Nice. And it's just funny how we have that kind of in common. True. Because that was, like, that was my, the next band I was in was with Darren, but that's, like, kind of how we got to, like, I always thought, like, we were, like, we were cool, but he was, like, into deathcore and I was into pop punk, and he... Yeah, but then yeah. he got to see me actually like, oh, like he can play. Like, not I'm not great, but like I'm comparable. Like, I, okay, like he can play. Sure. So I just thought that was an interesting like little yeah. parallel. Also, too, though, I know he had a ton of fucking sick gear, so that's crazy if he stopped recording. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I remember he sold his Kemper a couple years ago. He really regretted it like instantly. Does he still play at home? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Damn. This is a bummer because he's super talented. Some people just yeah. Some people just move it's on. Not something everyone wants to do. Hopefully, hopefully um, well, we're gonna do a set cell reunion one day. So nice. Hopefully. So Tell that's him. where I, that's what happened with that. Like I I started recording again during lockdown and writing songs. With your and huge eight, and fucking eight inch monitors. My. <laughs> um and then uh, I just started doing doing it every day and uh buying crazy plugins that make me sound like I know what I'm doing and uh, that's what happened (laughs) you took a terrible situation and made made something great with it like um which a lot of people don't have like a a positive experience during that and that sucks and I get why you didn't because it was a shitty thing to have happened to you but uh I took it I and I made the best of it and I'm super happy with all those decisions because I really love doing this and I'm like getting like kind of all right at it. and and honestly man it was good you know you're you're getting really good and it was awesome because 
you're doing a really great I mean, through this shit that you put out, especially for Dave's comp, like it's, you did a great job. It's so good. Thank you. But it's awesome because um, at the time, because we're like locked down in COVID, like I was demoing a lot of new mistake stuff. I was, mm-hmm. some were old songs, some were new songs I was writing and recording and I'm like using GarageBand and I'm like hitting you up and then I, I upgraded my shit and you inspired me not to like buy a bunch of stuff, but to like, okay, get better. Here's how you can do this. You helped me out a lot. And sure. it's really awesome because... I don't think people realize sometimes with recording, it's not even about mixing and mastering, putting shit out. Sometimes it's like it helps you write. Absolutely. Helps so you write. I think that that's a huge. I owe you a lot because of like well, thank all the songs I was able to like track. And even today, I recorded some new stuff and I was like, I'm looking here at my setup now and I'm like, it wasn't like a copycat thing. Like I'm doing my own thing, but I was like, oh, Larry, like fucking was like, hey, dude, do this or here, this might help you. And I would pick your brain. You weren't like shoving it on me. I was asking you, but, um, I think a lot as much as shitty time this was, a lot of good came out of it for some people. Absolutely, which is great going forward. I mean, it kind of kind of segues into the podcasting end of it because that we, was the same time. It was the same thing. We started. We started lost causes. Um. And we're gonna do the the first one in person very soon. Yeah. How did how how did you how did you and Chris start the show? Uh Chris was friends with um, Nate from the network. Um, he's in like that Misfits piano cover band. Like they play Misfits songs, but they have piano instead of guitar. Oh shit! Uh, it's kind of neat actually. Um, we played their very first show. They opened at Big Shots at that Atari show that we were a direct support on. Um, and we like we hit it off, and like we were just talking to him whenever there were nice people, and then he was like, "Oh, I run this podcast network," and blah blah blah. And Chris got into like his D and D podcast or some other like Urkel shit. Um, and then Chris hit me up. He's like, "Hey, dude, this guy wants to do this music show. Like, do you want to do a, a music podcast, just me and you?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that'd be cool." So we did. Um. How many episodes of that show are there? Ten, maybe? Eight, nine? Um, and I, I revisited them They're good. not that, lo- that long ago. That was a good well, fucking show. Aside from me having fun being on the one episode, mm-hmm. I loved listening to it. That was a good show. It, it was a lot of fun because like, me and Chris are still pretty stupid guys. Um, so we goofed off a lot. But like, it was really... I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I remember doing it and having just a lot of fun sitting in a room talking with somebody and just showing everyone else what we're talking about. Um, which almost sounds like almost kind of crazy and like pompous. Cause like here, you're, I, this is what I'm talking about and I'm going to show the whole world. And they're going to listen. Right. But like, um, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, so I had that in my head already that I had a good time doing it. And then we worked together and riffed, on such an insanely similar level about nonsense that it was like almost unbelievable. I'm like, dude, we have to, we have to record all of this. This is so insane that this is the dumb shit we can talk about for eight hours. This is great. And then we've, uh, we've just been doing the show. Hell yeah. We got a, we got locked down and we're like, we should really do the show for real. We have the time to do it. We have the means to do it. Let's do it. And then we did it. Yeah. And I think, it put us in a semblance of routine 
Absolutely. It was nice to have that that one thing that you know for sure was going to happen every week. Yeah. In a time where you had no idea what was going on. You're like, oh, at least I'm going to meet up with these guys and we're going to drink and talk about fucking counterparts in Wayne's World for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. And cool. even now when we when we do our like our breaks in between seasons, it feels weird when we don't do a show. It does. It does feel really strange well, when we're not doing weird, a show. It's weird for me because my for my job I do a podcast and we we do maybe like forty five minutes, sure. but also like we're bitching about hockey because it's like a different thing. But I'm like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like the people I work with, but I'm like, it's not you guys. So it's like, okay, like I don't think I could probably talk to them for three, four hours, and we would be like productive. But it's like, right. when I come this, it's like, oh, I'm home. I'm doing four hours of fucking nonsense. This is where I feel comfortable. Exactly. And I'm with my guys. So I'll say for... So, hell yeah. I'll say for up to the present. I'm going to say two years because 2020 was kind of a time warp. So let's say sure. late 2019 to now. What If you could put it into a song. I Don't Want to Be Blind by Turnstile. Fuck yeah. Love it. Hey, can I throw something random at you real quick? Yeah, it's what we Just do. Just more Darren connection. Sure. I I fixed it up differently, but I bought this guitar from him. Sure. And it became the stowaway guitar. That is a stowaway guitar. I remember this is actually pretty crazy. Um I saw a picture of you. You came up on the people you may know on Facebook. Uh-huh. And this was probably 2016. I had no idea who you were. Uh-huh. And I saw you wearing a trash boat long sleeve. And um, playing playing that playing that guitar, I'm like that guy has a black jazz master with an actual pickguard made with one pickup in it. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> like that guy's cool. That's funny. That was seventeen. Yeah. It would have been seventeen. Oh, maybe so. But still, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I saw I saw a single pickup jazz master guy on Facebook. People you may know and thought, yeah, yeah, cool. That guy rules. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, I. I think every guitar... I, I'm a very big appreciator of guitars. Um, clearly, I have a lot of single pickup guitars, but um, I think when you are somebody who can actually, like, just... you Like, I don't know a lot of people actually use the neck live. Uh, Even if you... I, I have been lately, but... Uh, but, like, for me, like, I use it when I record. Sure. But, like, um, maybe some of the stuff I've been recording for my solo stuff, I might use my Strat one live. But, like, for full band crap, like, it's, like, I'm usually, like, on 10 all the time. Yeah. And I, yeah, so am I. And I was always just, like, why bother? Just get rid of it. It's less shit that can go wrong, and it's less shit in your way. And yeah. I people would come up to me and like approach me about the guitar and I'm like Darren kind of set it up that way I I just got a perloid pickguard and a different pickup I got lucky he just mm. kind of Darren and I are in the same boat of that cuz mm. I don't think he ever used a neck either My Les Paul is like my first guitar that I've used a neck pickup on a decent amount But it's my, it's like, worth almost it, my whole life There's parts you can really get great sounds with Oh sure but like I haven't had a toggle switch up top in a long time. Oh, it's annoying, isn't it? And I hit that shit all the time, and I look at it, I'm like, "This is have, why I don't want this fucking pickup." In have here. you ever seen those old pictures of me with the black Les Paul? Yeah. So that, that's like a guitar got stolen from me. I really wish I had. But like, I was really used to it because of that. That was my number one, and then 
ever since that got stolen from me, I really haven't dealt with that. So whenever I play Les Paul now, I'm like, oh, this fuck goddamn toggle switch. But uh, you know what's fu- yeah, dude. You know what's funny? It drives me nuts. But I, I like how it sounds, especially when I when I coil tap that neck pickup mm-hmm. and do it for like a clean or like a little crunchy like um, AC30. It has type a really of thing. great it's, dynamic to it. It's awesome sounding. It's a. It, it's I, a cool I only played that guitar for like ten minutes, but I played it through that Soldano plugin, and it sounded fucking mm-hmm. rad. My fucking trial for my Soldano plugin expired, and it's like 160 bucks, and I really want to buy it, but it's like I have three Soldano plugins already. Just take my. Do you, you need another email or? Huh? What? How? Do you want another trial? I'll give you my email or something. No, it's all right. I'm probably gonna buy it because it's that good. It was so good. I might buy it down the line, but like right now, I can't buy. Also. It all the neural DSP plugins right now, every single thing they have is fifty percent off for their anniversary. Oh, except except that one. Um, <laughs> I really, really, really need to not buy a ton of plugins because I don't have tons of money to spend on them. I have a bunch of plugins as it is, but I'll just say this too: it's like just going back because this is your episode. I I remember like when I got that Neil Westfall um, ESP. Actually, it's been just over two years now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I actually got to play it at a couple of Stolaway shows live, and I've recorded with it, and you guys recorded with it. But I remember, like, you talking about it, and I was just like, I, you know, and I hate saying this on air because I don't let people usually take my gear, but I was like, yo, like, I'll let you guys use that for your EP because I trust you guys and whatever. Um, But it was just one of those things where it's like, you become like close friends with people and then you're like, Oh yeah, like use this or Hey, you should try this or whatever. And I, I realized at that moment, I'm like, cause I think that was even before we worked together. I'm like, Oh, like we're homies. Yeah. That, I think that might've been like just before we worked together. So, and then we, you know, you hooked me up with some extra work when I was out of work and whatever. So, um, I just think like, it's kind of come full circle where it's just like, Oh yeah. Like we're, we're fucking, we're cool. And then the podcast just made everything so much cooler, especially through COVID. So, can't thank you Very enough true. for that. Absolutely, you too. Uh, hopefully, we could do it in person soon. We will. It'll be awesome. Maybe like two weeks, three weeks. I'm very fine with that. Fucking Thursday. In like two days, it's like a week. I got my first vaccination. Nice. So, after two weeks, I said, you're just good. Fucking so, cool. Hell yeah. We look forward to when we can finally do this show in the same room. Um, we can't promise it'll be any more concise. It might be more out there. We don't know, but we're looking it's forward. It's going to be way less concise. <laughs> <laughs> but we're looking forward to whatever it brings because we know we're just going to have a lot more fun. But Yeah, it's going to be a good More than we're already having. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on that, that you might want to? Um... I don't think so. We we got we covered a lot of shit. Yeah, this is, I really, this is our longest episode ever. I really, really. I mean, oh, don't wow. get me wrong. I might want to interview you again soon, but I really enjoyed this, man. Like you have a really cool backstory, and I feel like we we slightly don't overlap. We do overlap in the music scene, but to a point where I was able to like learn a lot of cool shit about one of my friends who I didn't know back then so it was really fucking sure. enjoyable for me thank you i actually yeah. had a lot of fun uh, with and, that too and i learned a lot um i was really excited for this one because larry even though we're close it's like there was still a lot of shit that i never knew so i genuinely learned a lot through can, this 
Can I uh, touch on like maybe like one more thing real quick? Of course. We didn't talk about you and how great of a fucking cook you are. Uh, I went to culinary school for a while. Um, after um, I was done with art school. Well, I was I was done like going to art school. I didn't finish art school. Right. Um, and I'm doing it, and um, I'm at home. I'm cooking. I'm grilling. I'm having fun. And I'm like, man, shit, this is good. This is good. Um, there was a little cordon blue like right down the street from work, and I'm like, I'm gonna stop in there and see what I got to do to go there. And like, oh yeah, you can come here. It's easy as hell. Just do this. I'm like, oh okay. So I go there for, I sign up. I get in. Everything is awesome. Uh, you could you go Monday through Friday for four hours a day. Um. I didn't know it was Monday through Friday, and uh, they're like, oh, "What? Uh, you can go from like six to ten, or you can go from like ten to two, or you can like do an evening or something." Like, oh, like well, I'm still gonna work. And I really never had to be at work before like 11. So I did the 6 to 10 and I didn't realize it was every fucking day. And I did it for like two months and I'm like, I'm not waking up at 5 in the morning anymore. Fuck this. And I quit. Oh, damn. Just because I'm lazy and would wanted to sleep. But you're a good cook. Thank you. And I appreciate it because like for someone who doesn't eat meat, you have an appreciation for like, I won't say like vegan, but like, you know, because I'm like not vegan, but like. Pescatarian, vegetarian. No, but like, if a restaurant has a vegetarian option, I'm probably gonna try it. I mean, I, I like a lot of that stuff. A lot of it's good and makes you feel less like shit. So, sure. Anyways, just want to touch on that. Yeah, that's definitely a thing I do though. Like I've had the impossible or beyond option at every restaurant that offers it, and it's all really good. And fucking, I can't wait because next episode before we start, we're gonna cook. We'll we'll uh, link up and talk about what we want to cook together, and we'll make some good shit. Sick. I made homemade french fries the other day in the air fryer. I really want to get one. You need an air fryer. I really want an air fryer. It's fucking... It's a good tool. Although, you can make potatoes good on the stove, too. True. That's very true. Alright, um... And we're wrapping it up now, because it's, it's almost 1am, so I feel really bad. That's That's true. Um... Do we need to talk about what we're listening to? Should we just all say one one thing real quick? Uh, mine's the rare, the rarest answer because Zayo put out a new record, so I've been listening to it. There you go. <laughs> it's always fucking Zayo. Um, I've been listening to Blistered, the Poison of Self Confinement today. So nice, yep, rare. And I've been listening to Bobby Darren, Splish Splash. I've been taking a bath all upon a Saturday night. So there you go. <laughs> I actually believe we that. we love we love self hygiene anthems. I'm not lying. No, Very I've been true. listening to that and a bunch of the fucking just fifties ass fucking dumb shit. So, anyways, that's awesome. Right. We're gonna wrap it up for Larry, for Mill, for me. Uh, I've never done the outro. I don't know what to do now. Oh, uh, I usually I'm just like, all right, peace. All right, but uh, this was tight. This was a lot of fun. Hey, and uh, you know what? Check out uh, check out our uh, fucking. We were on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. All that shit. Follow us if you have questions you want us to answer on air. Go for it. If you listen to all this, you're amazing. And, uh, you know, huge shout-out to Larry for all Thanks, this. It was really fun. We will probably get more answers to more questions down the line because we don't shut the fuck up ever because it's us three. But uh, That's what we do. Yeah. For Steve, for Larry, I'm Mill. 
It's Lost Causes Social Club, and thanks for coming to the shiznit.